Welcome to Chris Apocalypse episode nah, 140. Like no, I was genuinely ready. I'm always ready. I'm always ready to present a podcast. And how are you doing this week? Great. You're drinking a drink. Alcoholic, I see. Wouldn't catch me drinking an alcoholic beverage because I'm not a cunt. It's a adult drink. It is an adult drink. What is it? It's dandelion and burdock. Four percent dandelion and burg- burdock. Alcoholic. Mm. Hoopers. Mm. Hoopers. Mm. Hoopers. Mm. Hoopers. Sponsored by him. Sponsored by Hoopers this week, who are providing well Hoopers and Hawkers made my drink. They also made my sunglasses. All right. So, uh, Ant, how you been? Good. Great. Fantastic. I've been good too. Thanks for asking. So, uh, Ant, how's life? Treating you good, good, mm. great. Mm. <coughs> okay, so uh, on this podcast, we take it in turns to review stuff and things, don't we? Four things each. Yeah. Energy, energy, energy. I love it. I love it. I love it. Keep, keep back and forth, back and forth. It's great power, great, great energy right now. Um. So uh, yeah. So we we each review stuff and things. Doesn't matter what we review. Whatever, isn't it? Whatever yeah. we want to review, we can review anything. You yeah. can review air. I'm not gonna review uh, air. Oh. I told you. It was a burp. Okay, it wasn't Yeah, vomit. I told you not to burp. No, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Let's carry on. The show must go on. So, Ant, I believe you are first this week. Why don't you go ahead and give us a review, cunt? <laughs> the problem is, because no one can see that you're smiling a little bit, they might think it's an antagonistic thing. Disrespect. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, your review, man. No respect for you, no res- I got no respect. I got no respect. Right. So, what desperate random things should I try and review this week? I don't week? know. Let's start with um, Economy Arcade Collection because you were like, buy it, Ant, buy it, buy it, and then you forced me to buy it. I'm sorry. One second. That's a weird retelling of the story. I said, Ant, can you buy it so I can play that Castlevania game? Because you're more likely to play the other games, and I will only want to play the Castlevania arcade game. And you went, no, oh, I don't know. And I went, how about if I just give you the money so I can play the arcade game? Which, by the way, I still haven't played. That's your fault. Uh, is it? Yeah. But yeah, continue. It's on my Switch. If you put it, if you download continue it on your Switch. with the review. I don't want to buy it again because I don't want to play one fucking game and you'd enjoy it more anyway. So I thought, why not throw myself on the pyre for your enjoyment, Anne? Sorry, continue. <laughs> it's a collection of arcade games. It is a collection of arcade Yeah, it's done by Arcade Archives, whoever it is oh, that runs really? those. I can't remember who it is. It's not done by M2 like the other ones. Yeah. Um, so the layout's all different and stuff, but it does still have the option to switch to the Japanese versions, which I think they added after the Castlevania and Economy one, Contra ones came out. Yeah. But it's got shmups, and it's got Salamander, or Life Force, as it's known to the kids. And it's got that other one. I always forget. Oh, Salamander. Thunder Cross as well. Thunder Cross is quite good. Thunder Cross. Salamander was the name it had in the US and UK. Yeah, and it's it called was Life also, Force in Japan. It was also the name on the Xbox Konami collection, the original. Yeah, because they call it Life Force now whenever they release it anywhere. Yeah, because that's the proper name for it. Um, but yeah, it's got you know a bunch of shmups. You can play some of them in Tarte mode, which what's, is what's like Tarte? so you can turn the Switch handheld sideways or your TV. Oh, right. If you fancy breaking a TV, okay, um, and play it vertically. You can do that on a few of them. Um, some fun games in there. The one that was like a standout for me is Thunder Cross because I haven't played that before. And if you play the US and Japanese versions, they're quite mechanically different from each other. Tell me how. Yeah, well, they were intended to be like, you know, an introduction to shmups. Okay. So it's meant to be like a easier... Baby's first shmup. Yeah, easier sort of thing. Instead of having like the power-ups like, Gal- like Galga has, you know in Galga you pick up the power-up and then you let... When you collect a certain amount, you can choose if you're going to add a missile or speed up or choose if you're going to have the secondary gun. 
power up. Yes, you don't go question away. mark. Yeah, but in Thundercross, it's like you just pick up orbs, so you get the orb. You know okay. those things that follow you around, like the lightning orbs. You like a blue and they, orb. And they fire whatever your main gun's firing. But in the American version, you start with a whole bunch of them, and you just activate more and more of them as you go along. And it's like it's simplified, but you start off with a ton of guns. So you're going to be kicking ass straight from the start on the American version. Well, if you're playing the American version, you'll be kicking ass. Mm. But in the Japanese version, I thought that's quite it has a, solid a gimmick. Oh, okay. In the Japanese version, you don't start off with a ton of orbs, but when you collect them, you can hold down a button and it will make them move away from you. Okay. So you can spread them out across the screen or bring them in all tight for, like, you know, powered, focused attacks and stuff. Yeah. Um, it's a fun mechanic. I like that. I prefer the Japanese version. The only thing I didn't like on it when I was playing the Japanese one, it's the American one I played for a bit and just stopped. The Japanese version, you get to the final stage and it's the stage where they decide that you um, cannot continue regardless of whether you've inserted enough coins. So that's a bit of a shitty thing to do. Mm. Like you get to the last stage and every other stage you can just continue at the start of the stage over and over again. On this one, nah, nah, you're not doing it. You've you got to go back to the title screen. Even if you've still got like four coins in the slot, yeah, you're starting over from the beginning, which is a bit moo, bit bit rude. Mm. Um, but it's it's a fun it's a enough weird thing. Design choice, isn't it? Yeah, it's a fun fun schmuppy game. Um, and that haunted castle, the Castlevania one, is like if you were to simplify Castlevania and make it slightly worse, it's it's basically that. Um, it's pretty tricky as well. It's full of a lot of like, you know, there should be a rule in games when things come firing towards you, low and high, in it. So if you duck. And things will go over your head. But Castlevania's got like four or five heights that stuff flies at you at. Yeah. So quite often you'll think duck that, but then your duck is basically practically non-existent. You basically duck about a head's worth of height, so you still get clobbered in the face with whatever's flying towards you. This is Haunted Mansion. In Haunted Castle. Haunted Castle, yeah. But you know, it's, it's, it's Castlevania. It's a weird sprite decision, isn't it? Because it was after Castlevania. Yeah, it's a few years, it's a few years later. It's like 87, 88. Some of like that. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, it just feels like Castlevania made by people who didn't make Castlevania. Yeah, it feels like Castlevania circa Game Boy Color. You know, like where they handed the reins off to, like. Well, that was the same economy teams that No, no, but what I mean is, like, if you were to hand it over to a third party and they yeah. just half assed it. Yeah, but the Game Boy Castlevania games are. They're well, really strong. Well, the first one's slow down a go go. Um, but. It's an alright game. I can't believe there's three Castlevania games when you got two in that fucking convention collection. It's three Game Boy Castlevania games. Nah, there's two. No, there's three. There really is. There's three. You're probably thinking of the one that got a different name over here. Did it get a different name? And it's not canon anymore. Oh. Could that be why they did it? Yeah. There's um, Castlevania Legends, maybe? Castlevania Lady Castlevania. Yeah, me play as a girl. And it's not canon anymore. They wrote it out. It doesn't count. But those Castlevania 1 and 2 on the Game Boy are like the only ones that are actually in continuity. But none of them are in this collection because this is an arcade game. It's got Scramble yeah. as well. Scramble's fun. Sorry, I was just... I was Because you were talking about Haunted Castle. Mm. The, Spooky. The, you get skeletons. The Bugs Bunny game. You get skeletons. That's crazy castles. But to some of us, being crazy is the most haunting experience of all. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <sighs> it's a fun enough collection. You can... Yeah, for £4, I mean, it's not bad. It's like seven games. It's not £4, it's £16. For £4, it's not bad, though, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you go on sale price, yeah. It's not on sale price anymore. No, I bought the Contra collection, but I haven't really delved into it yet. Because you're I, bad at Contra. I yeah. said this before, I'm not a big fan of Contra, but I was, like, it, yeah. I was like, Matt, 
It's time to put on your big boy pants and play some Contra. And I don't often wear pants, so it was a real experience for me. Mm. Your review. It was my review. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, sure review. I mean, was that the end of it? Is that Would you recommend people guess, buy it? I mean, if it was full price, would you say it's worth buying? Because you didn't no. at full price, so I assume that... Well, just because I only, well, I only bought the Castlevania one when it came out. That's the one I wanted. Yeah. But, um, no, it's fine. It's, it's another collection. Pretty standard one. You know? I'm, I'm kind of liking these collections. Yeah. I don't think that, like... Some of them are a bit overpriced. That um, Samurai Showdown one. Yeah, Jesus. Like, I like my Samurai Showdown, and the appeal of having that um, one Samurai Showdown game that never got released on there is pretty good, but yeah. 35 quid is also a bit much for, like, seven Samurai Showdown games, I think it is. And one yeah. of them is the alternate version one that's already on there. Yeah, see, that's much. the whole thing about the Contra games, is a lot of them alternative versions, but that's not 35 quid. 35 quid is super high. Yeah, there's and an SNK think... one as well, which is, like, 40 quid, but it has, like, tons of games on it. It's yeah, like it's, 40 it's like... games, and they kept adding more games to it. Yeah, because the SNK fires as well. Do they have the SNK versus Capcom games in there? No, no, well? the SNK one is all the stuff that isn't normally in the collections. Oh, okay. So it's all their sort of pre-Samurai Showdown, pre-Neo Geo, and all that yeah, sort yeah. of stuff. Oh. It's got Ikari Warriors, though. Nice. Ikari Warriors and the sequels. But, um, there were sequels to Ikari Warriors. Yeah, it was a big hit. Okay. Ikari Warriors Ikari, was Ikari Generals. Ikari Corporals. No. 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 But you, you'd you say that this is a worthwhile collection, but maybe not at full price. Maybe, I don't know. It depends how much you like your shmups. Shmups. There's yeah. so I would many like them the to do another, another economy collection that goes into the PS1, PS2 era, because no one ever does collections that go into that. Well, they do. The Mega Man stuff did. Yeah, but they they went into it because they did all the Mega Man games. Well, but yeah. you don't get like nine, the last arcade compilations I can think of that really delved into that sort of sixteen like thirty two bit era is Sega like the Ages. Midway ones from years ago. Sega Ages? No, Sega Ages was like they were new versions, games, weren't yeah. they? Yeah. No, the um, Midway arcade treasures because they did they did four of them and they went in chronological order. And by the time you get to the last ones, you get like Hydro Thunder and San Francisco Rus- Rush and stuff. Mm. which was neat I want that sort of stuff yeah you know give us uh, you know give us the freaking that cool Contra game Shattered Soldier whatever it was the one that was on PS2 Gradius 5 because I sold my copy and I'd like a cheap replacement of it Gradius 5 is the fish one did Gradius. I sell my no it's Darius Darius is the fish one you don't know anything about your shmups I don't know anything about shmups yeah, I don't did enjoy... I sell my Gradius 5 I think I might have I don't really enjoy shmups I can't remember if I sold Gradius 5 or R-Type Final hmm one of the two. Yeah, I don't really enjoy shmups. I've never been a shmup guy. Because you're bad at them. Yeah, yeah I just yeah. find it boring. Just terrible at them. Just find it real boring. Maybe you should try Thundercross. It's a nice, easy to get into Maybe one. if ever I get the chance to play Haunted Mansion first. You could do. You could play it. Should we play it right now? No, because we've got a podcast. Record your review. Chaos time. Um, okay, my first review is... Oh, I watched Godzilla King of the Monsters again. My first review is going to be a nice quick one. Um, I watched a film this, this, this fortnight. Watched a movie. Trolls World Tour. No. So this is really interesting. This is a Korean remake. What the hell else is there to watch other than Trolls World Tour? This is a Korean remake of an American film, which doesn't normally happen. Normally it's the other way's higgledy-piggledy, isn't it? Normally it's it's a Korean film that's being remade by those bloody Americans. It's Japanese remade Godzilla. Anyway, so I watched Hashtag Alive, which is a remake of the film Alone. Oh. Which was the story of a young man trapped in his flat during a zombie apocalypse. When uh, when he's given up all hope, he sees there is a woman alive in the building across. But obviously, zombies. 
There's lots of zombies downstairs. So he can't get to her. He can't just go down the stairs and then Time to set lift. up a telescopic lens camera and watch <laughs> her get eaten. So um, so what they do is they formulate a plan to get to each other and then from there they're going to sort of try and work out next steps. So it's more like a... Less like um Less like a, let's get to each other and we'll, we'll get out of here. It's more like a, let's find the last vestiges of humanity within this area we're trapped. And let's just sort of use that as a guiding light. A light at the end of the tunnel. It's we may not survive. Aren't humanity. Anyway, so hashtag alive. I didn't expect much out of this film. I think that you've probably not watched it, but Netflix has a film called... Um, called um, I stopped watching zombie movies a long time ago. Okay, there was I've a Paris, seen all five of them. There was a Paris uh, Paris zombie film that was a, a man that was sort of trapped in his flat. And it's a similar story. It's called The Night Eats the World, I think, um, and um, and it's a similar story. But there was less action. Sort of, he went out and he sort of tried to fight stuff and bloody blah, blah, blah. This is very much a film of its time. So um, I, obviously, we're going through a pandemic. This was made last year, so it wasn't made during the pandemic. So a lot of these themes and what's happened have been sort of. Um, they mirror our times quite a bit, which is interesting. But anyway, so young man trapped in his flat, zombies, got to get to a woman, blah, blah, blah. Um, what's really interesting is the use of technology. So um, he runs out of food before the power gets shut off. So for the first few days, he's he's very much, he's one of those Korean like esports kind of kids. So he's very much like playing esports games and things like that. And so he distracts himself until um, for like a few days and the power goes out, the internet's down. And then eventually it's down to he's just got his phone and he's finding ways to charge that. Um, but what's interesting are that there are little things that they do within this that, um, that while not, you know, while not the standard zombie fare, they humanize bite victims and things like that. So, you know, like in a zombie film, you'll see someone running across and like, like someone will watch them and they'll just get jumped and then that's it. They don't really try to save them because by that point you've established that a bite is basically a death sentence, like to try and interfere with that. There is a, there's a scene that's, that's quite gripping where a female cop is sort of um is 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 um being pushed back towards this by towards the little flat block like the forecourt by these by these zombies. She runs in, she's firing her gun and the kid goes out and watches and, and, and sees this woman running and he's trying like panicked, trying to work out a way to maybe help her. Um and she's firing her gun and she's she obviously trained so she takes out a few but then she drops the gun and she gets bit and she starts getting dragged off and they, they sort of start dragging her off down towards there's like an underground car park and like a curving, twisting part. And she grips onto the, the, the water grate as she's being dragged towards this car park and he screams to try and distract the zombies to try and get her dragged away. Uh, sorry, not to try and get her dragged away, to try and get her a second so she can run away because, you know... He's trying to save a life. I mean, at that point, he does know that bites cause infection, so it is futile. But at the same time, he's gripping to that humanity, mm. and it's a really nice little little moment where he's like, he's like, "Hey, hey, get the fuck away from her!" And she gets a second, and she, she talking Korean though. Yeah, in Korean, uh, she gets a second, and she reaches out, but it turns out the zombies don't give a fuck if he's screaming because they've got their meal right there. And she reaches out as if she she's like, "Oh, I can feel like." No, it's actually just the zombies are like mid-claw and she just gets dragged off. And it's like this fucking harrowing, just like really dragged off. Special effects are fantastic. But uh, one of the nice things are that like a couple of minutes, he's just stood there in shock watching. And like he's sitting there like completely defeated. Like that was the only person I'm aware of that is alive in this area. There's all these zombies. I've not seen any any sign that there's another living human being. And that's it. That's gone. And then the zombie of the cop wanders out about an hour later and just looks at him and screams. And it's just like this this weird, like, 
how consciously aware are they of the virus and things like that. Mm. And it's just, it's those nice little, because zombie films are played out, like you said, you've seen all five of the zombie films and so often they're played out and you get your Return of the Living Deads and things like that. You get ones that mix up the genre and they change things 28 days later. It's like a key zombie film to, to the resurgence and things like that. But you never really... Shaun of the Dead. Shaun of the Dead was Shaun four Dead years was later. More... Well, it was four years later. And the problem with Shaun of the Dead was that, do you not remember that they were concerned about releasing it in America? So Shaun of the Dead was massive here, a huge hit. It didn't come in America until a year and a half later. So they de- they delayed the DVD release over here until after the American release had happened. Yeah, in cinema. Well, I got the DVD really quickly. No, nope, it was, yeah, it was it like a year did. and a half later. Nah. Yeah. You just don't notice back then because it took longer. No, I freaking paid it. I went to see it in the cinema and brought the DVD not long after. Well, you obviously saw it late in its run. No, I saw I it the day it was released. Me and Paul went there. We yeah, were I freaking... saw the day it released. Mm. I, went in, I went to the You weren't allowed in. You were 12. Yes, I was allowed in. I was oh. 17. No, you weren't. 17. 2005, right? I've got my copy of Shaun of Dead. was it, 2003? Signed by uh, Nick Frost. Cool. So, in your face. The one that didn't move out of the UK. <laughs> He is me value. No, he's, he lives in the UK. Yeah, but he's he's in all sorts of stuff. <laughs> I know. I'm fucking around. Um, but like, I've, I've got two copies of Sean. It's Dead. super formulaic in places, and to be fair, like there isn't there isn't enough use of the idea of being elevated and and how that could be used to your advantage in that sort of situation. But also the the horror that comes with that sort of way for the zombies to starve themselves. They do talk about that, but the problem is that they're also starving because there's no like shops. He's just literally eat got a food. zombie. Yeah. Um, that one really nice thing is he's got a um, he's got like a um, a bowl of ramen, you know, like the the plastic bowls you get yeah. where you like have the ramen, you have like the little accoutrement. Um, he's got one of those that's like yeah, a accoutrement. Accoutrement. Um, he's got one of those that's like a slightly fancier version. So he opens it up and it's got like the shrimp, the sliced shrimp in like shapes mm. and stuff like that. Um, but he's put a post on it that says "Last Meal." Shrimp in shapes. Yeah, you know, like they cut stuff into like flower shapes and things. That's like not that. shrimp. That's a vegetable. Is it? Yeah, it's a type of vegetable. Well, I thought the pink ones were like shrimps and no, stuff. No, no, no. It's, okay. type, it's but, a type of vegetable. But anyway, so cool, but. he has one of those that's like ready to go and he's written on the poster, he's called it his last meal. And uh, he's like sort of like, that's the plan is once he runs out of all hope, he's just going to eat that and then hang himself. It's quite good. But um, but yeah, it's formulaic as hell and it's not, um, it's not as action-packed as, well, it's not as kinetic as the American one. Uh, but it's still, I enjoyed it, and I and I'd recommend it to anyone who likes zombie films, but maybe not. Cancha, that's what it's called. Oh, okay, Cancha. Um, I I'd recommend it to anyone who's interested. Type of radish. Um, I'd recommend it to anyone who's. They call it Naru Naru Tomaki. That's where Naruto gets the spiral thing from. Oh they right, do it like that. It's a veg- yeah. oh, it's a vegetable. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah. Uh, hashtag it's alive. Type of fish cake, actually. Hang on, I'm mixing two things up here. That's a type of fish cake. That's the squashed fish. What's the other thing? There's a friggin'. There's another thing. It must be the radish. I don't know. Whatever. I haven't eaten ramen for ages. Yeah. Okay. But your review, Ant. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, it's it's super formal. Like, uh, if you have. What's it even called? Hashtag alive. Oh, really? Yeah. Is that the actual name? Yeah. Is that the name they put on it no, when it came out in America? The What's the name of it in Korea? Yeah, in Korea, it is. Can you read it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, come on. You're... I'm just bringing it up now. You're boring people. I'm bringing it... You've asked me a question. Sarah... 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 What? Sarah... Yeah. 
really good at Korean. Yeah. Yeah, so sound you got perfect accent there. Yeah. Yeah, flawless. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah, hashtag Sarita. 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 There's no hashtag at the start of it. There is, yeah, that's actually the title. Oh, no, 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 I'm not The correct that. title of this article is hashtag alive, and the Korean name is hashtag Sarita. I'm not accepting that. Well, that's the title. Um, yeah, yeah. Really middle of the ground. I give it a... Middle of the ground? Really middle of the ground. <laughs> really, really, really middling horror film. Uh, I give it a... I give it a... Josh Trank. You know, he made that made that Fantastic Four movie. He made Critical. Both. You need to talk up so what? it's in the microphone. Oh, he made, he made that made that Chronicle movie pretty good. Who did he make Chronicle with? Oh, He Who Shall Not Be Named. Hatsune Miku. Yeah, oh, is that who it is? Yeah. Yeah, because J.K. Rowling's been cancelled. <laughs> no, J.K. Rowling didn't write Chronicle. I mean, she pretty much did, right? No, actually, there wasn't enough transphobia. You're right. That <laughs> wasn't a... Anyway, Ant, your review? My review. Anyway, right. You done playing on the internet now? No. Your weird burgundy keyboard. Disgusting. Right. I shall review... Should I do a Star Trek? Would you like me to review Yeah, go and do it. Or should I review... You know I should review? I'll save Star Trek till later. Turok Dinosaur Hunter. There was a remake of it. Well, remaster done by Night Dive Studios, came out early last year, maybe late 2018, can't remember. It doesn't feel like that long ago, but it must have been, because they did two since then, and Doom 64. But I got the remake, remaster, because it was in a Humble Bundle, and I forgot I had the code for it, and I was like, oh, I'll play that. And you know what? It's a really frigging good remaster. It is super impressive stuff. It's like... It's obviously based on the PC version that was around at the time, but the PC version back then, like... PC gaming in the late 90s. Kids don't remember this now, but it was kind of dog shit. Um, Like, you'd get a game, and you'd buy yourself a really nice graphics card, and you'd be like, this is a 3D voodoo effects graphics card. I was going to say voodoo effects. And you'd have to have a separate sound card and shit. Yep. And then you'd get it, and the game comes out that you want, and it's like doesn't like your graphics card. It only likes some other graphics card. And then you have to get another graphics card if you want to play it well. People think it's bad that there's two companies that make the majority of graphics yeah. cards now, but they were like seven. People don't know what the pain then. is like where you get a game and your graphics card will give you flashy graphics that look amazing and run at about 20 frames per second. Yeah. And your sound is MIDI. Like, that's the sort of thing you'd put up with back then. I fucking love MIDI. Like, oh. But, um... This version of Turok is like silky smooth. You can switch off so many different functions on it and adjust all sorts of stuff to make it suit your needs. Like if you're playing playing normally like with a controller, yeah. um, when you turn, it does that thing that loads of late nineties first person shooter does when there's like a thirty degree tilt as you turn. Yeah, like you're doing the jungle love dance. And isn't it isn't it also tank controls yeah. technically? No, no, it's, it, it was dual it was dual stick on the original. Oh, was it? Well, it wasn't on the N64, yeah, but say, yeah. it's based on the PC version, so it's like keyboard and mouse, but I'm using yeah. controller because I played Turok on the N64, and it was, you know, it was built to be a console game. It was built to be an N64 um, game. Yeah. I, the only thing I changed on it, really, was I put the draw distance out a little bit. It never does the draw distance to, like, infinite degree, where... Because no. it it's could... always got those clouds. It completely could do it, no troubles whatsoever, but it doesn't pull it out so far that it doesn't look like Turok anymore. Mm. Like, to our standards, you would look at it and go, oh, it's a bit foggy in the background there and you can't see. But if you were to turn that off and put it on the N64 mode that it originally was, it is, like, shocking how little distance you actually had in that original game. 
Um, but the only thing I've done is I've put on a crosshair, and not even an intrusive crosshair, just like a little simple two lines give me where the point is. Because I was having a really hard time shooting anything without it. Mm. Um, but um, yeah, I forget how the structure of that game is really odd, but very much like mid-late 90s first-person shooter. Because the first level is effectively the hub world, but it takes you about 20 minutes or so to actually get to the point where the hub is open you and you can the, start going to the other levels. Is it the temple? No, it's not. It's a jungle. You have to now. go around and find five relics, but three of the relics will open the way to the next stage. And each stage has a couple of relics in, and when you collect them up, it opens up the next stage yeah. that you can go to. Um, but it's a really interesting mechanic. And like, I remember when the original game came out, the jumping and stuff was tweaked, and I don't know if they've changed something to how the jumping's handled, but I had absolutely no hand, no trouble with it whatsoever. And I don't know if that's because I've got used to jumping in for first-person shooter games since Turok came out, or if it's because like they have changed something. Because I remember it being an absolute nightmare on the N64 version, but at the same time it was new, and first-person shooters didn't do jumping. What was the jump button on the N64 version? Was it A? Probably. It wasn't anything to do with jump button, it was just that you were always missing jumps and stuff. But it was also like... First-person games that had platforming in them was like a big no-no back then. And the only first-person game that really did platforming was like Jumping Flash. And that was a very different game. Like when you jumped in that, you went up really high and then you would aim down and you'd see a marker saying where you're going to land and that's mm. how you did it. But Turok didn't have that. It was just like jump to platform, platform. There was a lot of it. Blast Corps used that system, didn't it? Where you did the... Yeah, Blast Corps was a completely first different... person. That's like an isometric destroy thing. Yeah. I like Blast Corps. So do I. Blast Corps. Um... It's Blast Core, isn't it? It's, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah sorry, yeah. There's no E on the end. No, no E on the end. No, no E. No, you don't block corpses. But, <laughs> I mean, um, you did in some games. But um, no, Turok's really fun. You can switch the soundtrack from PC to N64. Yes, um, yes you can. And good. it sounds surprisingly good. Yeah. And the PC soundtrack is like the... It's not the MIDI one. It's the soundtrack where... Because the, if they had Sound Blaster or something yeah. was like on the PC version, it had improved soundtrack. You can switch that on. I put it on the N64 soundtrack because that's my memories. And well, the N64 soundtrack has that really nice crunchy mm. sound. Mm. People that's forget good. the sound plays a lot. Into so apparently they don't just rip recordings for this. The same thing with Doom 64. They actually recompile how it generated the sounds in the original game. Oh. Because so, Doom 64 soundtrack, there isn't a soundtrack. It's effectively a whole bunch of ambient noises that are played in the yeah. sequence. And they recreated on that, but similar thing here. It's they like, treated it more like MIDI encoding. They just used their own instruments designed for yeah. how they wanted to play the music. But um, It's kind of interesting to play, because the original one didn't have the best frame rate in the world, but for the time it was perfectly acceptable Is for a console like 24? game. If you're lucky. Um, but this one now, you're playing at like 60 frames per second. It feels super brand new, and it feels like... if It, it feels like, you know when you get those Kickstarters or those games that are meant to be like based on retro-style games? Ukulele. Ukulele. <laughs> Yeah, um, <laughs> it's got that sort of feel to it where it feels like a new game that's been made to look retro. But um, yeah, it's it's good quality stuff. I'll, I'll probably maybe play through it and start playing Turok 2 at some point because I've got that as well. Um, Turok 2 is the one that will benefit the most from being a remake because no <sighs> version of the original played well. Cerebral War. Yeah. Oh. But I've got the original N64 somewhere. Yeah, but I've got the black cart, yeah? Yeah. yeah. Um, I've got the box and everything, but I think I lent it to Luke and I never got it back off him. I've got the so, game, I've got the Game Boy version as well. Yeah, which I have the Game bad. Boy one. Wasn't it a top it's, down? No, it's side on platformer. Side on platformer, but it had there was one that was a top down thing. Yeah, there was. Game I think Boy there was Color. a third one. Maybe they haven't done the third one as a remake, so I don't think there's much cool for it. It was the third one because yeah. you do you remember? Oh God, what was the name of the uh, bug shooter? The one where you were like, it was essentially like Starship Troopers, but it was on the N64 and it was a first person shooter. Oh, Body Harvest. 
No, not Body Harvest. It was around the same time as Body Harvest. I've got Body Harvest. It had two people in sort of yellowish doom suits and they were shooting like crab monsters coming up the sides. Crab monsters? Yeah, something morphs. No idea. Oh, God, what's the name of it? It's going to really annoy you now. It's going to be some terrible game. But yeah, it was the same company that made that, that made the Turok Free Mm. port. And they also did a Game Boy port that used that same sort of engine. Yeah, Um, Night Dive have done this remaster. I can't see them doing Turok Free at any point. Um, They said if people ask for it enough, they might. I would kind of go for, like, one that's a hybrid of Turok Free and that multiplayer-only one they did. Do you remember there was that comment? It was cool, but there was a multiplayer-only N64 Turok game, wasn't there? Oh, yes. Yes, there was. Um, Yeah. It was the fourth one. Yeah, something like that. Or was it Turok Free? I can't remember. No, Turok Free had a single player. But um, I can imagine them doing that and doing online multiplayer. That'd be neat. Uh, but um, Oh, yeah. there you go. Armourines. Armourines. Project Swarm. Oh, I know that game. Yeah, 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 yeah. They were the same people that did the Game Boy port. Because I had the Game Boy and the N64 version of that oh, game. Dear. And they also did the Turok one. You're playing the off-brand games. No, no, it was a, it was a full release. It was like Who a, released it? Acclaim. Acclaim. Same people that did Turok. That's why it was the same. Acclaim yeah. is the Poundland of... Acclaim Poundland. made Turok. Actually, Acclaim's last couple of games were really good. They were really desperately trying to crawl themselves back. Like, they did Aggressive Inline on the PS2. Oh, which is, God, yeah. Aggressive Inline's fantastic, man. Don't diss that game. That game is fantastic. It had Sublime on the soundtrack, so it's instantly top tier. Um, but no, Turok, Dinosaur Hunter. Play this... 20 some odd year old game, wasn't yeah. it? 1997, 96. It was, a lo- it was early N64. It wasn't launched, but it was a little. It was early, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Um, but super yeah. Super early. And then play Turok 2, Seeds of Evil, which was a yeah. better game, very confusing, massive maps, but now you'll be able to play it at 60 frames per second. So Yeah, Turok 2 is going to be the one that really does benefit from this. Yeah, because the original N64 one chugs. Like, it fucking barely moves. chug. Like yeah. I said, the cerebral bore. As soon as you hit something with a cerebral, cerebral bore, it's about 12 frames per yeah, second. Yeah, you're laughing too much. That's... It's funny. It's fucking amazing. Yeah, I've got South Park. When are they going to do a HD remaster of the N64 South Park game? If they have the fucking... If they have the engine for Torop, they can just... Well, it was the same game. It's exactly yeah. the same game. I bought that South Park game. So did I. Yeah, I didn't I'm, mind it. It was terrible. It was not that bad. It's bad. It's not that bad. It's very bad. Compared to some of the shit that got released on the fucking N64, you're saying that's bad? Uh, the N64 has nothing but masterpieces. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, clearly we're remembering a different console then. Should we talk about the Nintendo? I sell my copy of Hybrid Heaven. That was a good game. Anyway, you review... Um... My second thing. Yeah. So I played a game, Ant. No, you didn't. I played a game on Don't the Sexbox 360. No, it's the Sexbox 1X. Sexiest of sex boxes. So I played. Um, I played a brand new game. It's been released on Game Pass, and I'm sure everyone else had a go. It's called Grounded Ant. So Ant, if that's I, not released yet, it's Ant, only in beta. Ant, Ant, shut up. And if if I said to you, what's your perfect game? Like, if you could play any game and it was based on a movie, what movie would you have that game based on? One second, I can see you're mouthing it to me. You've lost your voice suddenly. Yes, that's right. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids is exactly the right answer. And and I was going to say love, Faust, Love of the gonna, Damned. You're going to... Well, no, you weren't. You are going to say Man the Hands of Fate. But no, so anyway, so this is... This is a game in which you're shrunk down. I was going to say Deadly Pair. Ooh. The Neil Green. Yeah. Classic. No, you want you want Death Spa. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this is a game where you 3D platformer called Death Bed, the <laughs> bed that eats. You just have to you jump around. the bed. Oh, what? No, that's amazing. Yeah, and you jump around. You have the bed. I, no, you no, 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 no. You play a, the bed in a hotel... You have yeah. to keep trying to get moved to different rooms. Yeah. Although, do you have to keep the mattress on? Because I thought the mattress was the bit that killed people. No, the bed, just it's the bed in general. It's the bed in general. Yeah, it's one piece. 
Yeah. Someone tries to lift the mattress off and it just It's just, just goes. in a place in the middle of the woods and people just keep Lying sitting it. on the bed. Lying and sitting on the bed. Someone puts lunch on the bed and it eats mm. the lunch. Gets his arms. The guy gets his arms. Yeah. The chicken goes in and then the bones come out. Yeah, I've got the it. The wine goes in and then the wine bottle comes out. I have the man's an hands go in. a proper official release of deathbed. I've got it in my drawer right now. Region anyway, anyway, so Grounded. Grounded yeah. is a game which is shrunk down. You have to survive in a big garden. like Sophie's Choice. That would make a great game. That would make a great game. <laughs> Telltale you, Games presents... Do you so- want to make Sophie's Choice? Telltale Games presents Sophie's Choice. Which one of your kids will you pick? Yeah. The other kid will remember this. <laughs> Not for long. No, I was going to say. The piano. Will Harvey Keitel seduce you? <laughs> Oh, God, that's a bad film. Harvey's penis will remember this. <laughs> uh, but anyway, grounded, yeah. So you're a shrunk mm-hmm. down kid and you've got to survive. You've got to build up stuff. You've got to whack some stuff. You've got to go and scan some stuff to come with new recipes. It's fucking fine. It's not anything spectacular. It's not anything I'm going to recommend anyone rushes out to go and fucking join the alpha or the beta or whatever it is right now. It's free if you've got Game Pass, so give it a go, but... Yeah, it's just one of those games. It's like like every other one of those resource management, build it up. Don't burp on the podcast. Build it up kind of games. And I'm just sick of them. They're so fucking Stop many. Stop playing them. No. Never. There is like there is a weird thing where we're just seeing the same fucking game made about 600 times. Like it's either open world or if you or keep survival. downloading them. Yeah, but come on, one of them's got to be good. No. There has to be a reason for them to be getting made. Um but yeah, like it's like I said, it's fine. Um one of the one of the standout moments is where like you crawl it like there's a lot of stuff where you're like going into like big cans and shit. Like and one of the I don't think it's an organic moment to happen to just me. I'm sure like a hundred gamers have had the same thing happen, but there's a mission where it's fairly early on, probably the first hour, you have to go under like a tree because there's been this big explosion like it's saying, go and investigate this. It won't be that big. And so, yeah, well, that's true. And you go under the tree, and there were these two big fuck-off spiders just, like, like curled up in, like, little Ooh. spidery balls. Mm. And I was like, the game clearly doesn't want me to fucking fight these things, because I have trouble with mites and ants and shit. So if I go in there and hit that thing with an axe, it's going to decimate my life. So you went in? So I went in and hit it with an axe, and it decimated mm. my life. Yeah. It decimated my ancestors. That's how badly it killed me. But the idea of, like... Because I've seen others since then, like... I've gone over to the other side of the tree and there's like a small lake. I don't know if it's procedurally generated. I don't think it is. I think it's just one map. But there's a lake and I went around the lake. There's a big plant pot like sort of semi-embedded in the ground. And I and I went to try and look in the hole on one end. And I was like, oh, I can't see in there. So I went around to the front of it. Just a big fuck off spider's nest and a big spider. And I was like, well, it's going to decimate my life again. Mm. Pretty sure it's not the same spider. But if it is, it's got it out for me. And kill the spiders. Little baby spiders um, burst out of it. No, if you kill the spiders, then the little baby spiders run off crying and then eventually die because they're not being given sustenance by their mother. Oh, they yeah, that's how you that's how you take out your enemies. Yeah. Um, I've got a dead bumblebee over there if you want it. I mean, he's never really dead; he's just an inanimate object. The transformer, yeah? No, no, I've got a bomb. There's a dead bumblebee. Oh, right, on my dead bee on your. It was right next to the window. It just almost made it. I mean, it's not serial killer at all, is it? Mm. No. I'm sorry, Bernard. I ate your bees. <laughs> I got so hungry. Um, but yeah, like it's it's fine. It's it's fucking fine. Whatever. Who's this for at this point? There's so many of these. Like you could literally just just 
go onto the eShop or go onto the Xbox store and there's a hundred different types of this game. Just in different skins. Like what games? I mean, originally, wasn't Fortnite meant to be like this? Like you build stuff and you try and survive the night and shit like that. Yeah. Like Do you know Do you know what other game had that? What? That no one ever remembers had it. What? Perfect Dark Zero. You had your little base and you put your fortifications up and then zombies attack and you have to survive wave after wave of zombies. And no one friggin' remembers because you know no one everyone always claims Perfect Dark Zero is bad. It is bad. It it isn't if you <laughs> if you play that one mode that wasn't a... The multiplayer was good. My player was good, was it? Hmm. Nope, it wasn't. There was a fucking roll. It was good, it was fun. <laughs> I once shot a guy in the head from the other oh, side cool. of a town without scoping, and Paul was like, that was amazing. I was like, yeah, Paul. You know what's really funny about the story? What? You killed one of the only other players playing Perfect Dark Zero, and they probably yeah. quit that day. Yeah. <laughs> they probably went, well, this game's still shit. Then oh. <laughs> they came back. Deserve it. Oh, um, God. That was good, because if you were lost in that game, it just told you exactly where to go. It was just like, here's some arrows on the floor. It and was, everyone it was mocked the fours, it. It was the fours Everyone arrows. mocked it back then. Oh. And now every game points you where you got to go. Yeah, but some games have environments that have different looking areas that you can go to, whereas Perfect Dark Zero was like, car park, car park, car park, road, car park, car park, car park, road, car park. But then you had four buildings. <laughs> God, I hated that game. What a fucking disappointment. Anyway, Grounded is fine. Whatever. If you're going to play it, you're going to fucking play it. I don't give a shit. I give it a... Rick Moranis. <laughs> Rick Moranis. Oh, he's pretty good. He's pretty, he's pretty good. great. I'm going to give it a... Mandy Patinkin. Honey, I just want the kids' TV show. Or yeah, Disney probably. Plus. Whatever. There already I'm pretty was sure one. Rick Moranis there was going to be in it. Already was one. Yeah, I hope so. But yeah, I give it a Mandy Patinkin. Who? <laughs> Mandy Patinkin. You played the Spanish guy in uh, in uh, The Princess Bride. Mandy. Mandy Patinkin. Played a guy? Yeah. Mandy. He was also the... he's Apparently he's like a real shit bloke. No. Uh, but he was in Dead Like Me, which is a really good series. Mm. And he was in The Princess Bride. And then he did Home Homefront. Is that the really shit series where... That was a game. That was a game, but there was also a really shit... Homeland. Homeland. He was the, the FBI trainer in Homeland and apparently oh. still a shit bloke. Oh, that's the one where they um, paid a bunch of Arabic people to do Arabic graffiti in their um, fake Arabic yeah. street yeah. and they spray painted like a whole load of like Homeland is shit and all yeah. this sort of stuff. Great. Yeah. Great. Yeah. yeah. Give it Mandy Pating. Your review, Ant. No. Oh. Okay. Star Trek time. Yeah. Excited. Yeah. Star yeah. Trek yeah. Enterprise. Phases. Season three. Set phases to fun. I watched season three very quickly. Yeah, I know. A couple of weeks. Um, Quick for me. Like, you know. But anyway, season two ended on a massive cliffhanger where Earth was attacked by this probe and it cut a big cut right through America, down to Panama or some shit. You told us about the last time. (coughs) Set the scene. Oh, right. season, Season three starts off directly after that. So they're beginning their mission to go to this part of space called the Expanse. Yeah. And it's like... There's a big old barrier around it. No one yeah. really knows why. It's Thomas very James difficult there. to tra- traverse through it. And they need to go in there, find the Zindi, and save the day. Stop them from building a new weapon, because their new weapon is meant to be one that will destroy the entire planet. That's their plan. And it's the only Star Trek series until like Discovery started doing it all the time, where the entire series is one plot. So every episode doesn't bleed into each other like a lot of modern TV does. Like, every episode is an individual story, apart from when it's a two-parter, obviously. But 
it's not like it's not like Better Call Saul where sometimes the end of one episode is hard, you know, just leads straight into the next episode. It's still got stories. And other than like one dodgy episode which like felt like a complete misstep, um, where some weird psychic alien wants Hoshi to stay on his planet while he decodes something and the Enterprise crew go off and do stuff and surprise, surprise, he's a sex pest. Um that episode was a bit iffy. Um, and Star Trek should never try and do romance in single episodes whenever they do romance spread over a series fine romance in a single episode yeah, nah don't because it always comes off as pervy it's always a sex pest um, weirdos I mean not always what was his name the alien had a Tarquin the alien was called Tarquin I don't know if they thought that was an alien sounding name or what but you can't call someone Tarquin and not expect him to be a well-adjusted person. I mean, wait, did you say and not expect him to be a well-adjusted person? Yeah, whatever. You like, if someone's called Tarquin, there's something wrong with him. If someone's called Tarquin, I think to myself, that boy obviously was privately schooled. Yeah, probably wears shorts and a jacket on, you know, while carrying a balloon. That's what I imagine, as a kid. Um, but that's the only dodgy episode. The rest of the series is great. The way it sort of builds up tension where they're constantly following threads and... Like, they'll find, like, every episode will do something like, oh, we've decoded this little piece of information, this will lead us here, and then the next episode they'll be going to that location and they'll do a thing there. There's, like, one episode early on where they talk to these people who are manufacturing parts of what's going to be in the final weapon, and it turns out they don't know what this stuff's being built for, they've just taken a contract. And the lead designer is like, I can't believe this is what, you know, that I've been roped into this. They weren't telling us everything. I was just taking the money. But it's not done in a way where he's, like, sleazy. It's like he just saw the money and just thought, I should do this. I mean, why would my government be lying to me and all this sort of stuff? And so he helps him sabotage the weapon, like, which is quite good. That comes into play, like, 20 episodes later. Like, all these little things that build up and little threads. They have loads of little stories that go from one episode to the next. And because they're in this whole expanse area... They can do like an entire series that doesn't rely on having Klingons turning up and having like all the stuff we already know from Star Trek. Like there's there's minimal Vulcans. You get like one episode where Shran, the Andorran, played by uh, Jeffrey Coombs, <gasps> let these like Jeffrey Coombs yeah. is in it. I love Dude, Jeffrey Coombs. Guest stars in this series. Yeah. Long before they're famous, Sam Witwer. <gasps> you can't even tell it's him. He's sloth number two. Oh. He's he's fully in makeup. He doesn't even get a credit. Look right. I didn't jack off to four seasons and, of the American Being Human for no reason. And Sam there's an Whitmer. episode where Bacula, uh, Scott Bacula, old Archer, for and a Tupol, second I thought you meant Blackula, and I was like, it's the vampire. They get sent back in time yeah. to stop some Zindi aliens from developing a biological weapon using DNA from humans in the past. I just did about eight percent. Their right. intention was to do it in the past so that people, you know, no one notice effectively. Yeah, because it's just people being abducted. Who cares if a prostitute disappears? Um, the and alien the turns up and he's like, "The alien was played by Jeffrey D. Morgan <gasps> of Dead and Breakfast." Yeah, of of all sorts of stuff. Of and Dead and Breakfast. He almost quit acting because of that role. Really? Yeah. <laughs> the, all the makeup, which to be fair, the Zindi makeup for the reptilian, because there's five Zindi races. There was six, but there's five races. They all look different. Yeah. It's like you know, like how we evolved from apes. Yeah. The Zindi come from a planet where basically. Like sloth people evolved, lizard people evolved, insect people evolved, and fish people and bird people evolved. Okay, so, so there's no dominant species. Yeah, they're all just victured. The, the the birds died out, the avians. Um, but he, the lizard one is like, you would look at that makeup and you go, oh, that's that's too much makeup. That's 
got the contact lenses, got the entire face covered in prosthetics, big old silly armor. To put it into like to put it into normal people, normal people language, it's essentially like watching Jersey Shore and being like, all those people wearing too much makeup. Yeah, basically. Yeah. yeah. Like, what was the name of the woman from Jersey Shore? Who, Snooky. Snooky, yeah, she's at WrestleMania. Who who I like to say who I like to say is a is a sober three but a drunk seven. Do you know she like was she's actually like pretty great at WrestleMania? Now. She's an, an entrepreneur now. She makes yeah. a lot of money. She has kids. She's like she's a good mum. Yeah. Like all of that shit, like you've got to remember that reality TV I know that people aren't exactly bright when they go on there, but it is like cut and edited so that people sound like complete dumbasses. Yeah. When I mean, she was to WrestleMania, everyone was like, oh, she's not going to be able to do anything. And the first thing she does is like seven flips across the ring and elbows a guy in the face. You know I mean, like, and I was like, okay. <laughs> if you grew up in a place where PVC... P- everyone was booing her like crazy. She gets tagged in, does that. And for the rest of the match, everyone was like, Snooky, yeah, fuck yeah. <laughs> like, if you come from a place where PCP is readily available, you can do some pretty gonna extraordinary use it. things. Yeah, exactly. But no, um, it's a good, fun Star Trek series, this. I really liked it. The build-up towards the end, the finale, the... The, the the whole finale part of it, it it's a rare Star Trek series that doesn't have a cliff well it has a cliffhanger hanged in but the the last episode isn't a two part that leads into the first part of the next series which is something they always did on Star Trek where they'd have like X Files used to do as well you know you'd have a two part part at the end of the series and the conclusions next year to make you come back doesn't do that does leave on an amazing cliffhanger though like a big old fucking like daring the studio to cancel him cliffhanger mm. but um yeah T'Pol grows as a character it's like she um, goes into a relationship with t- um, Trip over the, gradually as the show goes on. He's been having trouble sleeping, so she's been doing some Vulcan shit, like spinal tapping stuff to make him feel better. And they develop a relationship, and it's it's, it's actually well done over the course of the series. It's like nicely done. So she messes with his brain. Yeah, yeah, but it's like it's, does he know she's messing? She with basically because they do all this. There's this whole thing where. Um, in order to survive the expanse, there's these anomalies that mess up the ship. They literally bend things out of shape and fuck things up. Yeah. And the only way to protect yourself from it is to use an ore called Trellium D. And this Trellium D stuff, like, great. Vulcans are extremely allergic to it. To the, Basically, it makes them turn insane. Yeah. They start losing control of their emotions and then eventually they turn into, like, bloodthirsty zombie-type people rampaging. Cool, and, and there's an episode where that happens to every Vulcan. Well, they go on a ship and there's a bunch of crazy Vulcans and they're basically, it's a zombie movie. The whole episode's a zombie. Put it in my veins. Thing. But T'Pol gets exposed to it and she becomes addicted to it and that becomes a thing where her emotions are now heightened because of it. Mm. And as the show goes on, you start to realise that she's not just getting more emotional because she's around humans. She's actually experiencing anxiety and panic attacks and stuff like that. And when eventually she gets help for it mm. and you start seeing it come around and she's now she's having to learn how to control her emotions but it makes her come out of her shell a lot more makes her a really interesting Vulcan character mm-hmm. like there's a lot of Star Trek series would tend to have like Data or Spock or Tuvok and they'll be the emotionless like two of those. I'm pure science person character yeah. let me just quickly tell yeah, you I'm... what I've experienced yeah and that's the danger she was heading towards was that she would just be the science person but gradually over the course of the show, she's like, becomes not just emotional, but she's still Vulcan, but it's like she's clearly accepting of another culture and... She's people. become a Vulcan instead of a Vulcan. But like one of the best bits in the last episode, she's always said the dog smells like <sighs> she can't... This, it's been a thing, Vulcans have heightened sense of smell and all this sort of yeah. stuff. So she's slightly repulsed by everything on the ship, but she's got used to it. And by the end of the second series, she's, she's there and she actually talks to Archer's dog and gives him a little pet on the head. And it's like, 
Yeah. She's like accepting the dog now. That's kind of like the scene in uh, Armageddon where Steve Buscemi gets space madness and he starts firing the machine gun. And they pet Steve Buscemi on the head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's just like this thing where the whole time she's actively avoided the dog. Yeah. And you're led to believe Archer's died in the last episode because it wouldn't be a serious cliffhanger if you didn't oh, think okay, I see. what happened. So she comfort's the dog. Yeah. And oh, it's like, okay. oh my God. Sorry, the way you told it was just like she just saw the dog and she was like, oh, dog it, and then petted it. No. And that's like human. No, she's like, like you're going to need some a new friend, aren't you, and stuff. Um, the cliffhanger ending, though, because they thought they were going to get cancelled on season three. So they do the ultimate, like, we fucking dare you to cancel us. So the ship, the weapon that's going to blow up Earth gets destroyed. Archer was on board. Oh, no. But then, as the episode ends, he wakes up in a frigging medical camp and everyone's speaking German. <gasps> and then... He's like, what's going on? He's all bloodied and stuff. And these two Nazi soldiers come in. <gasps> and then you're like, do you recognise him? Do you know where he's from? What this uniform is? And all this in German, obviously. And then out of the shadows comes a third Nazi. And it's an alien Nazi. <gasps> and that is like, shit. Like, you can't... Like, can you imagine if a TV show ended with that and never got continued? You'd have, like, angry fans forever. They'd still be going on about it now. They'd be like, you can't end the show with Archer, with the lead character stuck in 1940s Germany. Turns out it's not Germany. Turns out it's America. Like, the next series starts off with a two-part story where it turns out where the Nazis have invaded America because this alien's been helping them out. And it's like... It's like they're just like, yeah, we're going to write this ridiculous cliffhanger ending and then just like, go on, Paramount. Cancel us. Cancel us. Don't give us another series. Do you remember that time Star Trek got cancelled after two seasons and you got that massive letter writing campaign and you had to send people out begging fans to stop writing? I do not, but I'm excited by the prospect of it. That happened in the 60s. Oh, okay. It was a a big thing. Do you know who saved Star Trek? Gene Roddenberry. No, he created Star Trek. Well, then technically he did save it. It was What's-Her-Face from I Love Lucy. You know, the... um, Lucy? The woman from that. Can't remember name. Lucy. But, um... Yeah, she was a big. She was not only a big Star Trek fan, but she's one of the ones who got it commissioned in the first place. Do you know what? Yes. See, good, good. Well done. <laughs> uh, sorry, season sorry. three of Star Trek is possibly one of Enterprise is possibly one of the best seasons of Star Trek ever. The only down is that one dodgy episode, which was like a Beauty and the Beast weird thing. It's like, oh no, you'll stay here. There's graves of my former wives. Like, uh, mate, you're a pervert. It's the same one where they go to the planet and she gives birth to salamanders, right? No, that's Voyager. Oh, cool. Um, and the only other thing is that they, the title theme music, they changed it to make it sound more upbeat. Oh, right. I thought um, you were going to say they changed it to the music from Holby City. No, no. Because it was, it was Faith of the Heart, the Diane Warren yeah. written song that Rod Stewart sung for a film. I can't remember what film it was. Faith of the Heart? No. But um, they, they made it more upbeat. And the thing is, is that this series is all... We're at war. This is dark. Like one episode starts with someone getting hung and dying and their leg twitches. And then it's like, I've got faith of the heart. Like that. And it's What's like, that's, oh, that's a bit awkward, mate. What's wrong with that? It's, <laughs> it's not, it's not fun. There's fun. That guy's, that guy's legs twitching because he's trying to dance to the great theme yeah. tune. Sung by Russell Watson. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's some good standout episodes. The one where they find a colony of people who were, kidnapped from earth by aliens yeah. in the late uh, 19th century yeah and they were kidnapped to be slaves but they rebelled and they took over a town <gasps> and now they've enslaved the aliens that took them damn it you blew but it the up. whole town's like a wild west thing which is blatantly we need to save some money what have we got at our disposal paramount has set. this yeah. wild west set <laughs> yeah um and so they did a wild west episode do you remember like 
it's quite a fun episode actually. This isn't about <laughs> this isn't about that that series of Star Trek, but nobody ever thought Data looked fucking weird. Like you went back well, in time. Everyone knew he was an alien. Everyone knew he was an android. You went back in time, and like everybody was just like, yeah, they were always like, yeah, he's Chinese. Motherfucker's <laughs> yellow. Yeah. Um, there's another really good thing in this series. Um, there's always been like, if something gets damaged in Enterprise, they'll mention it in the next episode. Yeah. Like in one of the early episodes, they get damaged and they have to go to a space station that's automated to repair. And you're like stuck in Atlantis. Um, there's an episode halfway through the series where the Enterprise gets fucked. Yeah. Like holes through the ship. They lose like 13, 14 crew members. Everything's broken. Rocks are all over the bridge because, as you know, the Star Trek ships are filled with rocks. Where the fuck those rocks come from? Yeah. Whenever the ship gets rocks everywhere. That's what the ship's full, fill, filled with. Shit. Um, there's beams crashing everywhere. And for the rest of the series, it never gets repaired. Like, you'll see, they like... They tidy up. They just leave they, it. They tidy stuff. The rocks get swept away. <laughs> the beams gradually get put back into place. The bridge starts to look like it's under control. Yeah. But they are basically buggered. Like, there's holes everywhere. There's literally, like, like massive chunks out the front of the Enterprise. It doesn't get fixed till, like, episode four of season four. And it's like, I love that. So persistence going on. So you mentioned earlier that they, they had the gall to just be like, fucking cancel us and here's the ending. Mm. Do you remember the show Stargate Atlantis? Yeah, I remember that. Jason Momoa. Yeah. So basically the last episode of that, there is a cliffhanger <laughs> in which um, the Stargate Atlantis ship that they're travelling in is fucked. So everybody has to go into hypersleep and they're going to be in sleep for like 200 years and they're going to Don't they carry up. that on in universe? No. So what happened was there was um, there was one pod that was busted at one point. So one of the engineers says, look, everybody go to their pods. I'll fix this. I'm sure I can work it out. I can fix this. So they go to their pods. What he doesn't realise is there's only six months worth of air and he's got to learn everything about the pod to try and repair it in time to save himself. And they were like, look, we're getting picked up next season. We'll get picked up. We'll come back to this. And they're like find him and he'll have learnt everything or he'll have done something sneaky to try and mm. say... Uh, no, they got cancelled. So that yeah. kid is just floating in space. I'm sure some... in Stargate Universe they did a follow-up with Atlantis. Did they? I'm sure there was a... There I was don't a think thing. they did. I can't remember, but... I will research it and come back no to... No one watched Universe or Atlantis. That's the problem. <laughs> no one wanted to watch either of those. No, I didn't either. Did I the only... Stargate animated series? No. That wasn't, that wasn't good. I recently rediscovered the Godzilla animated series. Oh. And it is... Fucking phenomenal. Still. Stargate Universe was a thing that was like, you know, Battlestar Galactica had happened, so they had to do it as well. Yeah. That's the thing. Enterprise, like, eventually was up against Battlestar Galactica, and people wanted, like, you know, darker, edgier sci fi and stuff. And no, you can't. Just give us Star Trek. That's what we want. Battlestar That's what I want. Galactica. But anyway, you're. I'm going to review a fucking thing, aren't I? Yeah. Um, Alright, I played a game this this last couple of weeks out. Played a game. Don't believe Played it. a game on the Sexbox One Sex. No, you just said that before. Played a game on the Sexbox One Sex. Can you guess what the game is? Wait a second. Before you guess, and what's your favourite movie and what movie would you like a game to be made out of? Sophie's Choice. You said Schindler's List? Close. Deliverance. I mean, kind of. No, I, I, I was expecting you to say your favourite film of all time, The Thing from Another Planet. Oh. Because I played Carrion. Carrion, which is a game by Devolver Digital that's currently on Game Pass. And you know what you're doing, Carrion? And you told me you played you played the demo. You played the demo, which is a little bit of the game. Yeah, I, I played, played, I played, I played the full fucking game. I played Mr. some of it. Mr. Moneybags Game Pass. Um, yeah, so you play a squiddly diddly monster. 
who's been captured by the government, Governor Reno, mm. and you're like, I've got to squiddly diddly my way out of here, and then you Metroidvania your way around their little, little uh, complex, don't you? It's a squiddly diddly monster. And you chew on people, and you, you get flamethrowed a little bit, but then you come back and you go, ha! Ah! One of the nice, one of the, the nice things about combat in this, I don't know how much you've played of it, but when you get to the enemies that you can't just, you know, munch on, so you can't just drag towards you and go, num, 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 num. There Yeah, you go. I don't like those guys. Uh, once you get to those people, do you want to know a really fun thing you can do? You grab them, you rush off of them, and then when you get to a little tunnel where you've got just a second, you just quickly flip the right analog stick up and down, just slam them up against the walls, and it fucks them. <laughs> you're just like, woo! Really yeah, I don't like the guys that. with the shields; they're annoying. Really enjoy, really enjoy taking those both out. Mm. But um, but yeah, no, I'm I I loved it. I completed it in like three hours, just sped for it. Um, didn't take it all in. Well, no, I did. I there was there was one thing that kept. There are flashback scenes you play as a yeah, scientist yeah. in, and you think that that's going to shine some light on what's happening, and it kind of does, and it doesn't. Maybe you didn't find them all. No, no, there's three that you have to do. I've got the achievement as well that says you've found the final... It's five. Scene. No, it's not three. It's three. Um, but they never explain whether or not that man is infected by the carrion disease and he's become the monster, oh. or if he has been eaten and the monster's consumed his shape or something along those lines. They never really fully flesh that out. They understand the story. Well, no, they never flesh it out because there's no dialogue, there's no, like, written speech. Um, but all in all, I really fucking enjoyed this game. There are a couple of things with movement that annoyed me. I got to a tunnel where I was like sort of, um, I was like in a long squiddly diddly line because it was fin tunnels. And I tried going down one way and I, I, it turns out that the game thought that the head of my monster was going up another tunnel and that's what they thought I wanted to push towards. And actually it was the tunnel below that I wanted to go. And that was just a bit confusing, but I just pulled, pulled, pulled my little monster out and I went, look, let's do this. Readjusted and I was in. You pulled your monster out and pulled put the monster it. out and slipped him back in. Yeah. And then pulled him back out again, slipped him back in again. Yeah. And then some red, some red stuff came out of me. That was exciting. Um, but no, like, it's really interesting. It's a really good concept. I really like the art style. I really wish there was a map. But other than that. Helps to have a map. Pardon? Helps to have a map. It does. But other than that, I feel like. Yeah, I can't um, bother to start again because I know I'm going to be lost. Yeah. <laughs> no, you won't. It's, it's like. Like Never Song that I reviewed last week, it's a very natural progression. You do, like, you get stuck. You don't get stuck because the game's not giving you all the information. You get stuck because you're not experimenting enough in the environment, or you're not looking for the little subtle clues as to what you're meant to do. Um, and that's that's really all it is. Because and and also um, one of the things I will say is if you don't see an end film, there is right at the very end when you've completed the last section, it can be a little bit difficult to find where you're meant to go next. That just the very last section, mm. you might need a guide. It doesn't spoil anything to go for a guide. It's just it's a hint to go in just the right direction to go and finish the game because it. Oh, doesn't... you mean that part when there's a giant fluorescent arrows that say "Go this way"? No, no, no. And it you doesn't, have, doesn't have anything like that. Does uh, not have anything like that. It's not. That's Halo. what happened when I got. To the it's end not Halo. Game. You haven't completed it. Don't start. I hate the people, but I really like it. I really like this game. I've been looking forward to it for a long time. I knew I was going to like it because I played the demo and I I really enjoyed the demo. And it doesn't overstay its welcome at three hours. It's just a nice, fun game. Would you kiss Carrion? Yeah, I'd kiss him. Mm. I'd fuck him. Mm. One of his mouths. He's got many mouths. Mm. His mass also changes depending on how much he's consumed. Mm. And I'm going to make him consume a lot Mm. of cum. (laughs) Uh, I give this... uh, I'm going to give it a... It's got teeth. I'm going to give it a... uh, Mel Streep. It's pretty good. You're saying Meryl Streep looks like Carrion. Not saying that Meryl Streep is a fantastic actress. 
She is You're saying she couldn't play one of our greatest living actresses. I believe that she has made mistakes in her life with some bad films, but for the most part, her body of work is fantastic. What bad films? What bad films? Have you seen Kramer vs. Kramer? Kramer vs. Kramer? It's a fantastic movie. Have you seen <laughs> Mamma Mia 1 and 2? Mamma Mia... Mamma Mia 1's bad. Mamma Mia 2's not. Have you seen Mamma Mia 2? Nah. Well, then how do you know? Because, you know, I just know. No, because you watch Patrick Willems' video and you're like, he knows everything. Yeah, trust him. He doesn't know everything, Anne. He knows more than you. Well, does he? Mm-hmm. Does he? Mm-hmm. You couldn't does... even name a bad Meryl Streep film. I did. Kramer vs. Kramer. Kramer vs. Kramer's good. Who told you that? It's a classic. <laughs> it's a classic film. It's a, it's a classic something. Mm-hmm. Classic parlour shit. Your review, Anne. Right, fine, you're a wanker. Spoilers, Kramer's the kid. Just being mean to Kramer. <laughs> Dr. F- Kramer. What's with all these black guys? <laughs> Wasn't that the guy who played... Oh, no, sorry, that was Seinfeld. What's his name? Richard Richard something, isn't it? I don't fucking care. He fucks 17-year-olds. Do you know who's in season four of Star Trek Enterprise? Is he? Richard Ryle. What? You know that you know him from films. He's the bald guy with a moustache. He's a chubby guy. He usually plays a doctor or something. No idea. You look up Richard Ryle. Ryle spelled R-I-E-H-L-E. Okay, I just put it in and it's just bringing up a picture of Wilford Brimley. Very similar to Wilford Brimley. Oh, okay. He does look like Wilford Brimley. Okay. So but you, you, know, just you about know him. Brimley. You know Richard Ryle. He's in Enterprise Season 4. Great. Mm. That's... Anyway. <laughs> Your last review, Ant. Transformers, Wolf Robots Cybertron, Siege. Nice, thankfully short series Transformers on Netflix. Um, before your eyes. So, they did this series based on the Transformers Siege toy line, and it is very much based on the Siege toy line. Okay. Um, a, like six months after the Siege toy line stopped being a thing, yeah. it's Earthrise now, um, which I'm guessing that's be the next series out soon. Anyway, uh, it's supposed to be like a retelling of the Autobots' last days on Cybertron as they flee it or whatever. Um, it's miserable. It's a miserable, dull, friggin' <laughs> joyless thing. Um, they don't have enough Transformers in it for you. They, they have plenty of Transformers. It's just that like half of them are the exact same one in different colours, like they're like enemies in Streets of Rage. Are you talking about Yellowatron and Redatron? There's, I'll get into the colour schemes later. You know what? My, the problems with this, right? So the who's shows your, who's your favorite? the show's animated by the people who did Transformers Prime. Transformers Prime was good, cool, very good series. It's good stuff. It's like it's like the Justice League friggin' Young Justice, yeah, of Transformers. It's that sort of goodness. Okay, um, people like Young Justice. It was a good show. I did the latest series, fucking first two series. That's what I, want. I have no idea what that is, but okay. um, of Young Justice, only no. the first two series are good. After that, it's just fucking. No, oh, look at the core. Anyway, okay, okay. They, they, it's animated by those people. That's good. It's written by the people who used to work for Machinima who did the Power of the Primes cartoons. And the Power of the Primes cartoons are easily the worst thing that's ever happened to Transformers with the possible exception of Revenge of the Fallen or The, the Lost Knight. Or... No, I'd say Kiss Players is better than Power of the Primes cartoon. Kiss Players is a Japanese manga comic where the Transformers um, have little cartoony girls that are in love with them. And all the girls are fifteen thousand year old demon succubies who need no, to be No, they're just little in. they're just little girls. So it's not lolly. It's probably is. Probably. No one should look at it. But um 
yeah, Siege is written by them and it, it shows and the voice acting is all very amateur feeling. Yeah. Like no one seems to emote properly and the voices are like, I don't know what they're doing with the characterizations or how they're saying stuff. A lot of the Decepticons seem to have the exact same feeling voice to them. Are you saying the people playing these robots can't play robots well? Well, some of them are YouTubers, I think. I think they still use it because the Power of the Primes used a bunch of YouTubers. Okay. I think MatPat was one of them or something. That's a game theory. But um, I'm talking about FNAF. I think he wrote it as well. But, really? Yeah. Um, the guy who does Optimus Prime does an all right Optimus Prime impression, but he doesn't seem to know how to do anything other than how does he... standard Optimus Prime impression. How does the he moment deliver it, Optimus Prime as famous? Just does an impression of um, friggin' Peter Cullen. But the thing is, is that he doesn't know how to emote anything beyond basic Optimus Prime impression. Does he do the famous line? No, no. Give me your face. He says roll out at one point. Or give me, yeah, give me your face. <laughs> or um, or now die. Yar! It's um, yeah, it's just a mess. And Smegatron's like Smegatron. Uh, Smegatron. Yeah. <laughs> um, the plot of this is like okay. So the backstory in Transformers. Yeah. In the original cartoons, it was like they didn't explain it till season two because they didn't give a shit about the backstory until then. It was yeah. about selling toys. But the backstory was that at some point, Cybertron, the ruling classes, there was a golden age, everything was prosperous, but they had things like gladiatorial contests and Transformers were assigned to duties. And so they were like, oh, you're going to work in the pits and stuff. And Megatron led an uprising. So at the start, Megatron was seen as a hero. He was like a, you know, like a Che Guevara character fighting back against the people in charge. But he, you know, goes bad and like, you know, he he takes power and then becomes obsessed with that power and holding on to it. And basically forcing everyone to become soldiers and all this sort of stuff. Who wouldn't? So the Autobots are the guys fighting back against them. Okay. Um, so it's, that's that's the thing in it. But the way this puts it across is like, you'll hear Megatron saying stuff about, oh, you, you know, enslaved us and all this sort of stuff. And it's like, well, you've been enslaved people too. Nah. And that's about as deep as it gets. That's pretty bad. And by the time you get to the end of the series, I'm going to spoil it because fuck it. Go for it. Um, Optimus's plan is to take the Allspark off of Cybertron, which will for some reason destroy Cybertron, which I don't think is a thing in Transformers, but fine, whatever. Um, so Megatron's like, Optimus Prime's like, your reign of tyranny is over, Megatron. And he's like, you're going to destroy the planet. And Optimus is like, yeah, well, plant's already like ruined. So, yeah. Fair response. It's like, it's like if some, some kid pulled a toy from someone from their sister and they broke it and they're like it was rubbish anyway once again fair point and then the parents go up to the kid who broke the toy and just be like you're a good kid because Optimus is portrayed as like a hero and stuff and people question him and all that but like at no point does he reveal if he's got a safeguard for this plan at no point does he go it's not going to destroy Cybertron I've got the information or some shit there's no like there's no good side to his plan it's like he's basically going to fuck over all the Decepticons. Yeah. But it's established in the series that the Decepticons like willingly choose what side they belong to, and stuff. Yeah. So and there's there's weird stuff like Jetfire's backstory in this. He's the leader of the Seekers, which is usually Starscream's team, but mm-hmm. Starscream's like his second in command. Yeah. And Jetfire's like, oh, some of this stuff's a bit nasty. You're killing people. I don't quite like this, but he still is a Decepticon through and through. Oh yeah, of course. He's got to be dedicated to the cause. And then eventually he just decides to kill Skywarp and then he joins the Autobots. Oh, it's Skywarp. Skywarp's the black and purple Starscream. Oh, okay. You know, because it's just all the same one. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's just, you see him every now and again going, oh, this is a bit bad. But, like, 
he doesn't meaningfully vocalise that he's against it or anything. It sounds like he's just passively he just observing. He just eventually goes, oh, this is too much, and then he gets out of there. What is the moment? So what is what is the defining moment for him where he says it's too much? Uh, when Megatron kills Ultra Magnus point blank range, I guess. And he's like, oh, you should always take the shot. So it's not when someone's like listening. But then he stays there with him and then yeah. does another mission. There's no... That should have been the moment we've gone, you've gone too far. Fight back. I mean, he's bigger than Megatron. <laughs> but, um, Everyone's bigger than In the Megatron. original storyline, in the original Transformers, it, I, the G1 series, this better, Starscream and Jetfire were scientists before the whole rise of Megatron. And what happened was Starscream was like, oh, I like this stuff Megatron's saying. And Jetfire was like, oh, I don't know. And that's, when they sp- and that's when they split apart. Isn't Megatron a gun? No, he turns into a tank nowadays, doesn't he? Does he? Yeah, he can't be a gun anymore. Why can't he be a gun? He can't sell toy guns yeah, but, to kids. But you can sell a toy tank? Yeah, tanks are fine. You can't shoot cops with a toy tank. I mean, you can. It's called throwing. And I'd say I'm damn good at it. But, um, no, it's just the story's just poorly done. There's, there's it all sorts of poorly done. There's all sorts of stuff that really bother me. I swear... There's a Transformer called Spinister. I like Spinister because he's called Spinister. Guess what he turns into? A tornado. It's a helicopter. Oh. He's called Spinister. I swear he calls himself Spinster. I swear he does. There's one bit. Throughout the series, there's there's three girl Autobots in the show. Yeah. You see two of them for most of the series. Alita 1, pretty prominent character in, you know, original Transformers. She was Mega Optimus's girlfriend or whatever. Um, and you see Chromia walking around. Chromia's a blue car. Yeah. Motorbike sometimes, car in this. Yeah. Um, basically the same figure, but different colours. All right, yeah. Um, and then at one point in the episode, they go, right, we're going to split apart into two teams. Moonracer's coming with us. The problem is, Moonracer is practically the same colour as Chromia. And you haven't seen Moonracer once through this whole series. So now you're having a mission and... I was like, wait, I thought he said he was taking Moonracer with him. That's Chromia. And then Chromia gets killed. And I'm like, oh, wait, no, that is Moonracer because there's Chromia later. And I'm like, why don't you just take Chromia in the first place? So I'm guessing that this was a series that was developed for another country. No, no, no. This is done by the former Rooster Teeth McKinnon McKinna- Oh, God, people. that sounds bad. Yeah. Um, there's also Astro Train just appears at the end and yeah. he's giant, which answers the question that everyone always has is how big should Astro Train be? Because... He turns into a shuttle. He has to be big enough to carry other Transformers inside him. Yeah. But then he also turns into a robot the same size as all the other Transformers. I never cared how big Astro Train was. But he turns up, giant size thing, does nothing. Transform Decepticons get blown up and then Omega Supreme turns up. Omega Supreme is multiple times bigger. Yeah. He doesn't hit Astro Train. Nothing happens. Astro Train's just, just in two shots. This is tiring to hear about. It's pretty bad. Yeah. Um, there's some interesting stuff in there, though. Um, Impactor, he's... Who's Impactor? Impactor is like a character that no one gives a shit about. Yep. Not an important character at all, but he's a Decepticon. He gets left He gets left behind. The other Decepticons are just like, oh, he's probably dead, whatever. And Ratchet finds him. And Ratchet's running like an underground hospital where he's repairing injured Transformers. Oh. And the rule is, is that if I repair you, you have to help out. And Impactor helps them secure the space bridge so they can do whatever mission they're going to do. And there's a whole arc where Impact is like, you know what, Megatron's a bit of a tosser, so I'm going to hang out with you guys. I'm actually into this, and there's a little bit of trust issues going on. But that's, Was he a slave at some that's point? The, well, he was, when the Autobots ruled the planet, before Decepticons existed, he was assigned to the mine. So he was like, you don't know what it was like to be, you know... So yes, he was a slave. Yeah, enslaved. Saying slave, but he was just a worker who, you know, shitty job. 
Like, because the the way it worked before then was like, oh, you're like a drill Did robot, so you work in the mine. No, they didn't get a choice by then. So it was a slave. Basically, they get paid. You know, yeah, but money. like, get energy on. What are you get, about? Well, but if you can't choose another job, then your rate of pay is <laughs> yeah. whatever your slave. That was the whole master. system it was a case system, wasn't it? And that was the problem. That's not the a case robots, system. It was they all predetermine what they're going to do, isn't it? But it was all like. Optimus Prime, it wasn't Optimus Prime ruling it back then, but it was okay. like, the whole idea was that the the civilization had basically had this structure and everyone thought it was great except for the people at the bottom, which is why the rise happens. But it's, he, you know, he has an interesting little arc where, you know, he's a character you shouldn't give a shit about because he's it's a fucking impactor. who turns on his fellow slaves to fight. Well, he was years ago before the Decepticons rose to power. Then he joined the Decepticons because he wanted to fight back and... But it sounds like the Decepticons should have had some level of power anyway. Well, they they didn't exist before then. Megatron the formed the Decepticons. Oh, okay. They were they were a terrorist group initially. It sounds like the political system on 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 Energon is fucked. Cybertron. Cybertron. It sounds like they were doomed to fail. But the Decepticons took over. Yeah. And as a result, they he just turned everyone into an army. Like he was like, rise up from your shackles and. Yeah, but what's the difference to turning them into soldiers? But that's Megatron's thing, isn't it? There's he no- doesn't. As far as he's concerned, I freed you. But you're a soldier now, so everyone's a soldier, and that's why Megatron's bad. But that means that everyone gets paid. And if they're all and soldiers... they also get shot at and killed a lot. But by who? Who's their natural enemy? They're fighting the Autobots. Yeah, but the Autobots are only fighting to maintain the power they previously no, had No, the Autobots are trying to survive. <laughs> There's like only a handful left, and they're being... Then why don't they just leave? They they're have doing a massive a amount of wealth. And they're trying to win back Cybertron and get but it But why are they control. trying to win back Cybertron to return it so they're a slave? they home. But it doesn't matter. They, yeah, they, so they acknowledge that they did bad things and it was all wrong. Yeah, but acknowledging doing something Because that's bad. what I'm saying is Megatron was regarded as a hero. Because he a shot a bunch of slaves. Yeah, and he brought about up. a period of peace where the Orbots and Decepticons were like getting on. Okay, so but during then this he's like peace, power hungry and he takes over. During the period of peace, what did the slaves do? They just got free and they got to do whatever they wanted. But then Megatron was like, nah, you're going to be soldiers okay, now, but, whether but you like it or not. When you said they were free and they got to do whatever they wanted, so there didn't actually need to be any working system. It sounds like they have a universal basic income. Maybe. I don't know. They had jobs. Okay, so what were the jobs? I don't know. Other than too much minor... detail. You're talking thousands of years of like the planet's history. Because my problem is, I might be on the side of Decepticons. Yeah, but then Decepticons' plan is to wipe out every Autobot that's left and force That's forcibly... because they were slaves! They were genocide. You can't do a genocide. Well, no, because they're not different species. They're the same species on different political spectrums. Yeah, but whatever. The plan it's is... It's not genocide. The plan is to eradicate them and forcibly reprogram yeah, them to the be Decepticons. Yeah, the slaves killed the Romans and people celebrated it. Yeah, you're thinking about it too much. No, I'm not. I'm thinking about this as a rational human being watching a thing where it's like, oh, so the slaves rose up. Good. Yeah, but then the slaves became... Like authoritarian. Yeah, because they of the way fascisms. they were treated previously before. So you're agreeing with fascism? No, I'm saying that the problem isn't that they were bad guys. The problem is that the system warped their minds and destroyed their ideas and their sensibilities. It made them... They had no choice. The only option they have is to become an army to prevent them from being slaves. So they're either slaved to the they army... they become fascisms. What other choices do they fucking have in that system? They could imp- put in it's a, a better system. It's a totalitarian system, system either way. But when they're in power, they don't have to have that totalitarian system. No, but they do. They don't. Because they've got to prepare themselves for the eventual uprising of someone who will potentially become the next version of the Autobots. They could be like, hey, you know what? Some stuff was all right. 
Let's work what together. What stuff was all right for someone who's a slave? There was lots of people on Cybertron before then. They weren't. They were working underground in mines and stuff. The problem was is that they basically assigned them roles, and the Autobots had got comfortable with so, it. Okay, okay. So the Decepticons they they predominantly consist of slaves and who else? What other what other system rose up? So, Anyone? So librarians? Everyone. Like loads of people joined up to the Decepticons. So all oh, this sounds like a good idea. But then Decepticons are like, but let's start genociding people. What other slaves? What? The only people that would say, it sounds like a good idea to throw... No, literally them. all of them. The Orbots were, like, torn apart. There's hardly any left. They killed Alpha... Megatron killed so Alpha Trion. what good were they doing the if people had such a negative idea of them? Who? The Autobots. They were running a nice system. No, they weren't! Nice. The planet was golden. Energon was plentiful. <laughs> Megatron's art, Megatron's rule depleted the planet of all its resources. I'm not saying I'm not saying that like like Megatron's a good leader, but what I'm saying is that you can't have slaves. No, you can't. But Megatron has slaves. No, well, Megatron has an army of people that are employed to yeah, be. That everyone's an army. That's true. Like everyone's a soldier. No one has a choice. It's just one form of slavery to another. Yeah, and that's why Megatron. At least bad. you don't have to go into a. Mind. And Optimus is like, yeah, you know what. We, could, fair, we should learn from the problems that caused this and improve. Yeah, so what Optimus did, he don't... But Optimus' all... plan is to destroy the planet. I so mean, that's the problem with this series. That sounds like the Murdochs, In it? the original series, it was like, there's not much Energon left, we need to find some new Energon, let's go into space. And then they crash land on Earth 65 million years ago. And that was the story for the original one. That was 10 minutes. This is six episodes trying to do that first 10 minutes. Bumblebee, for some reason, they've characterised him as a mercenary scavenger who doesn't want anything to do with Autobots or Decepticons. Sounds about right. And it's like, but Bumblebee's like the hopeful young upstart. He's a fun kid. Not anymore. Yeah. Not anymore. He's seen slavers. He's seen too much bad stuff. Look, I... And the show's constantly like, here's a shit ton of characters that look identical. We're just going to paint them different colours. Why didn't they tell the story of why the Decepticons are formed? There's a scene where Optimus is in a room and what looks like Cog is at the desk and he yeah. goes, oh, there's a message coming through and Optimus hears this message yeah. of what Megatron's plan is. It's like a secret message Ultra Magnus has sent him yeah. going, oh, oh, Megatron plans to rewrite everyone's coding to brainwash him into being Decepticons and following him. And they say, and not stuff. today. No, give me your face. And you think, oh, so Cog's there in the scene. And the next scene is literally cut straight to the next scene and Cog goes... What? He wants to erase all our memories? A different time later, a different meeting with all the changes. He wants to erase... I was like, you were there. You, you were there. You heard it. You you heard it. And then I rewound back and it's because the other cog in getting the message was a green cog. And cog is blue. So whoever this green guy was, I don't know. Well, clearly you're just not big brain. I'm just like, I thought, this, this I thought the story. lighting was making him look green. Hmm. It's just endless stuff like that. It sounds like it sounds like your IQ isn't high enough for you to understand the complexities of incel Transformers. They got all these like classic Transformers. Autobots were cars, Decepticons were jets, and it sort of sticks to that in this with tanks. But then there's one Decepticon that's just barricade, and he's just straight up a police car. They're on Cybertron. I don't know why. That's always bothered me when they do this with Transformers. Because this, because this range is like, this show is sticking entirely to the toy line. They're mimicking the exact designs, so you get like cars on the Autobot team that look like fire cars, like a sports car with a fire engine design thing going on. Yeah, 
like, I don't know, some patrol cars, I don't know, whatever, they always had it, red alert. You know, you have police cars, and the only thing that stops them being police cars is that they have something written in Cybertronian on them. But it looks straight up like a police car. But, like, the original cartoon didn't do that. Wheeljack turned into a weird cube thing, and Bumblebee turned into a little flying saucer thing. But then the Seekers turn into, like, triangle jets that aren't Earth jets. They look like triangle jets. Another thing. Oh, Optimus Prime just turns into a truck. Oh. Do they have trucks on Cybertron? No. No. That's why I like the... You remember the War for Cybertron games? No. Came out, came out about during the 360. It's War for Cybertron, Fall of Cybertron. Oh, yeah. And all the car forms in that were like Cybertronian-looking cars. Like Optimus Prime, he was a truck thing, but it wasn't like an Earth truck. It was like some sort of alien truck. Yeah. But this is just like... He's just straight up a truck. Just a truck. Just a room for him. Yeah. But what was the other thing I was going to say? I had a thing, and I was just... You're just so full of rage at Transformers. It's not a good series. People keep going, oh, it's, all right. it's not as bad as it could have been. I think this is one of those things where, like, because they had seen that Powers of the Prime series, which is shockingly bad, like, like the frame rate on the animation drops to, like, 10 frames per second for some bits. Cool. That show's awful. Absolutely terrible. I watched one episode of this new series, and then it didn't go back. Yeah. And I said to you, I thought it looked all right. I thought it was okay. It's miserable. And then I just didn't, didn't watch any more of it. Miserable bollocks. Yeah, hang on. Here's the other thing. Hardly anyone transforms on screen. Oh, here you go. Netflix's Transformers War for Cybertron is action-packed and insightful. No, it's not. It's for idiots. It's for people who think Star Trek Picard was clever. Look. It's those people. Most of our audience right. probably like Star Trek so, Picard. The only Transformers that you regularly see transform on screen, and when I say regularly, like twice over the course of the whole series, yeah. is Optimus and Megatron. And I'm talking a transformation that happens close up. Every other transformation will be something like Starscream will leap off screen yeah. and the camera will pan up and you'll hear the transformation noise <laughs> and then he'll be a jet. Or a transform will transform and it'll be off in the distance. They'll be tiny. You, There's like hardly anyone actually transforms in shot. And they're like, they're running away from being chased. Yeah. Your cars turn into a car and drive. <laughs> you'll go faster. And it's like they've forgotten they're making a Transformers show. No, they haven't. They know. It's just the budget's very low. So to make a... I think if you're making a Transformers show, the first thing you should try and do is make sure your Transformers transform. Especially when, like, 90% of the on-screen characters and, are the same Transformer and, in different colours. And maybe the RC real... turns up at the end. She's never mentioned once in the whole series, and, and suddenly she's in a team. Maybe the real transformation is the friends we made along the way. No. No. It's rubbish. It sounds like sound you wave really sounds terrible. This. I don't know why you liked it so much. It ends with this whole thing where, like, the arc's going towards a space bridge and it clearly goes through it. And it has two of every Transformers. And the space type. bridge blows up. And the Transform Orbots are left on Cybertron to carry on fighting Megatron's forces because mm-hmm. the aim was to get the all spark off, whatever. They go, oh, Optimus didn't make it. And it's like, he clearly got through the space bridge. You saw him disappear. He went to space heaven. And it's like, oh. Sounds fantastic. So you're looking forward to season two then? I'm imagining they're going to suck all the joy out of being on Earth. I mean... Like, I mean, this figure here, this is from the next range, from Earthrise, and he is clearly a 1980s-style crane. He looks like a crane boy. So I'm hoping the next series is going to be, like, you know, it's a truck, it's a crane, big old crane vehicle thing, right? So the next series should be set in the 80s on Earth. I would hope. All the cars have 1980s looks to them. But I'm betting, based on the teaser at the end of the series, 
they won't get to Earth until the very end of the series because another alien ship is apparently coming to their range. And if an alien ship is coming to their range, it's going to be the Quintessons, which means you're going to have probably five episodes of them being on a miserable planet, being judged by alien squid people. Yeah, but who were the Herculoids? That's not a thing. They are. No. They are. Herculoids mm. are a thing. Yeah. Herculoids is what you got coming out of your nope. butt. Nope, Herculoids are a thing, and they hung out with uh, they hung out with Mark Wahlberg when he first came to the Hollywood. He was part; they were part of his crew. He had Before Goober, or after he blinded an Asian man. Goober, he had Hamster, he had Johnny, and he had the Herculoids. Yeah. I'm sorry, it's a, it's a it's a long joke. So we hate movies. You know the podcast I listen no. to. There's a podcast I listen to called We Hate Movies, and they have an exceptional episode called about the Entourage movie. Entourage movie. And they basically forget to talk about the movie for about 80% of the episode. And for most of it, they're just coming like up... Like you're doing now. Yeah. They just come up with weird groupings for Mark Wahlberg's entourage. Oh. And they're like... So that's a joke no one's going to get. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, they might get it. They like Because they, they have one character called Goober and it's... it's I won't go into it. All right, fine, Isn't fine. Goober a racist term? No. Pretty maybe, sure it is. Maybe. Um, anyway, see, I mean, Transformers Siege isn't good. No, Watch Cyberverse. Cyberverse is fun. I don't say all Transformers have to be fun and silly. Prime wasn't a silly show. Like, Prime has a human character who gets killed and his head gets taken off and put into a robot body. And he controls a robot body as a severed head. Just like Battle like, Angel Alita. Yeah. Like, Prime isn't a fun show, but Prime you can watch. It's on Netflix. It's fun. Um, Cyberverse is silly and cartoony, but they don't always have to be. I just didn't you just say the show isn't fun, but it's fun. Prime Prime isn't a fun show in like you know wacky crazy adventures, but it's fun in the sense of it's not wacky it's crazy not adventures. Miserable. But someone gets decapitated and turned into a robot. Yeah, man. yeah, it's fun. It's for kids. That sounds fun, but it's not miserable. There's humour. Oh. There's levity every now and again. Like someone levitates. Like characters have personalities. None of the characters have personalities in this. There's a oh god. Bumblebee has a personality. He's a mercenary. He just—he doesn't believe in either side. All he does is, "I'm not an Autobot." That's all he says. And when he's with Decepticons, he never hangs around with Decepticons. Oh, and one of the characters he goes to meet to get his energon from is just sound wave in a different color. Crack cocaine. No, they need energon to launch a rocket, but apparently, just two rocks of it is enough. If you get two rocks of cocaine, you can fly. So it comes in rock form, and it's not cocaine. Yeah. I know, right? I feel like there's some. But they, they go to get energon from a guy head. called Soundblaster, who is just black sound wave. Yeah, and they shoot him because you know. It's all right. I get my energon from Line guys. Sniffer. I was hoping it could have been Blaster. You know who? He's the red one. The one who goes, look out, shout out. You keep. He's saying, distinctive from Soundwave. You keep saying that this is the, these people. I remember the rat from Beast Wars used Rat-trap. to say. Yeah, you used to I've got say, multiple rat traps down used there. Used to say, "We're gonna die." That was his catchphrase. Yeah. We're doomed. Yeah, we're doomed. We're yeah. gonna die. It, but the third range that they do in the toys after these Earthrise ones is going to be called Kingdom. And it's going to be Beast Wars. Cool. Which I'm going to buy more because <laughs> I fucking love Beast Wars. But um, yeah, it's not a good show. Cool. You, you go with that. I don't know why people are like the praise people are giving it is lukewarm praise. Like they're saying. Like, the the positives I've seen, people going, oh, it's all right, it's just a thing. But I think it's because they're comparing it to Power of the Primes, which is the last series, and that's, that's Power of the Primes was awful. Like, what absolutely was the Power shocking. of the Primes? There was Combiner Wars, Titans Return, and then Power of the Primes. Which, what was the Power of the Primes? Um, I don't know. 
The Friendship. Matrix. Friendship. Combiner Wars spends the entire run going, Combiners are bad and they're going to destroy us all. In the first episode, you see two of them get taken out by one Transformer. She just slices them in half. Mm. Like, how much of a threat are they if one Transformer can slice them apart? I don't know. It's... <laughs> I don't know anymore, Anne. And there's Starscream in that show. This, this is worse than... This is worse writing than Siege. Like... Starscream in that show, it's like supposed to be set at a time where Autobots and Decepticons have come together and they've brought about a new golden age and all this sort of stuff. They've got the help of some other Transformers from Caminus, who are where the female Transformers come from, apparently. Yeah. Um, and Starscream is like, I'm fully on your side, but you know Starscream's up to something. Because he's Starscream, he's conniving, he's sneaky. But he has like an internal monologue where he's like, I really hope I can bring these people together and we can save the day and stuff. And then he still betrays everyone. And I'm like, do you not know what internal monologues are for in shows? Like, if you want to have an internal his thoughts, like you don't you don't have him say the opposite of what he's gonna do unless someone's reading his mind. No one's reading his mind. He then turns into a giant cloud thing. He's the ultimate combiner, he's just a giant cloud thing. This is uh this is making me weirdly anxious. I, I watched Combiner Wars in one go. It was like forty minutes long because each episode's ten minutes. That's the only good thing about it. Yeah. Um it felt longer than Siege did, and I couldn't be asked with the other two. I was like, you know what? Done. Might pee. Well, no, you've got one more review to do. So make it quick. Well, no, because it's going to be a long one. No. Can I pee? No. I'm going to pee. Oh, for fuck's sake. I'll be right back. You can't do that. Right, so, now you've ruined the episode. Now I've wet. You've wet Some yourself. places, yeah. Gone pee. Um, all right, my, well, that was fascinating, you talking about Transformers, because you know that I watched a programme this last fortnight. Did you? Watched a Traverse show. You watched a Tiva show? No. You watched a Tiva show? No. All right. Well, I watched a Tiva show that is that is brand new out on Netflix. It's the second season of Umbrella Academy. Yeah, I watched it. The adaptation of the Gerard Way of My Chemical Romance fame comic book. Um, Gerard Way's like you know a few steps away from being a Leto. No, he's Tim Burton. Is he? Yeah, he's a uh, Tim Burton. He's just kooky. No, Tim Burton's not as kooky as people make out that he is. I recently rewatched some of his films and I watched a thing that Maggie Mae Fish did. And yeah. Tim Burton's a weird guy, though. Like, interesting ideas, but he finds comfort in the mundane. Mm. Which would be... What? He finds a lot of comfort in the mundane. All his 50s stuff, like yeah, but... Americana and things like that. Like, he has the spooky... I think will do a Gerald way. Nothing. So, Umbrella Academy is the story of seven superpowered individuals that are purchased from their parents. How many marching band costumes does Gerald Way have? What? How many marching band costumes does Gerald Way have? I don't know. Depends on how many times he was a member of the Black Parade. Hmm. Hmm. Bought tickets to see them live this year. Um, That was a waste of money. uh, Well, they're coming back next year now, apparently. Um, So, anyway. So, um, Umbrella Academy. Umbrella Academy, yeah. So, it's a story of seven superpowered kids that are... They're purchased by an eccentric billionaire because he finds out that a hundred kids all born at the same time on the same, uh, uh, sorry, all born at the same time across the world on the same day to parents who have not previously had sex are destined to potentially get superpowers. Um, so he buys some of those kids and raises them as his own. You can buy kids. Yeah. Um, if you have enough money. Um, and he names them the Umbrella Academy, and for a brief time, they're a superhero team, solving crimes, fighting you know who crimes. Who buys kids? 
Gagliter, Michael Jackson. Just saying Maxwell. Maxwell. Jill saying Maxwell. Oh yeah, so she does. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so yeah, so it's it's a weird it's a weird concept. It's a bit like X Men, but maybe a little bit more sinister due to the purchasing children aspect of it. But um, the first season was enjoyable enough. The cast were likable, and there was a good central mystery for them all to solve, trying to prevent the end of the world. Um, and everyone's back again. Um, and and this time they have all been transplanted back to 1960s America because at the end of the last series, Five, who is an individual that can jump between spaces. That and sounds like a way to spend a lot of money on a show's budget. Oh, yeah. Um, well, you could just buy one set and just have everyone interact on the same set. So you wouldn't really just have one set. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's really interesting. It's really fun. Everyone's kooky. I won't spoil too much about the series because it is literally just been out for the last few days. So not everyone's had the chance to catch it. Uh, but as a fan of superhero, superhero TV shows and movies and everything else, I really enjoyed it. Um, there are a couple of things that, um, there are a couple of things that irritate me. There's a few mysteries that are like, oh. Was this your tirade against Ellen Page now? No, no. I like Ellen Page. Um, no, there are a few things that really annoy me. Can't have a woman in a nerd prof property just, and like her. Just shut up. Just shut up. I'm not you got your answer. internet explainer I'm forms. I'm not one of those. I'm not one of those people. Um, no, one of the things that annoyed me is that Jared Way, obviously this is being treated as like a very novel concept and it was originally, I think it was originally released in 2014, so it's been about six years since the comic was released. Maybe earlier than that, maybe 2009. Um, but George R.R. R. Martin oh. wrote a series called Jokers. Really, really long anthology-style series of books that were essentially about um, about all these people that suddenly suddenly got superpowers, but there would be uh, designations based on playing cards as to whether or not the superpower was like, completely detrimental to their life. So a joker would be someone who had something like, their skin just grows really thick. They don't get any, like, they're basically just, their skin's really thick, they're really ugly, they can't work anywhere anymore, and, like, they're itchy all the time. It's like, it's a bum deal. But then aces would be people that can fly, or people that become really unnaturally good-looking and everybody's attracted to them, you know, shit like that. Mm. So you would have different designations based on that. And the plot around that is that this scientist who who foretells that there are going to be these people that are suddenly born into this world, he's actually an alien scientist who... Trying to escape his planet. Just the Lombrello Academy. No, no, no. Just listen. Who, oh. when he was trying to escape his his planet, he accidentally released spores that caused all these people within an area to get this virus that caused them to get superpowers. In Umbrella Academy, there is a revelation that a certain character is an alien, and he seems to have been aware of all the hundred kids that have got these, uh, the you know, the, the miraculous births. You know, mir- uh, what's it called? Thingy conception. Immaculate conception. Immaculate conception, thank you. You've not been reading your Bible. No, not recently. Um, Jesus Christ. It seems like he's aware of all those immaculate conceptions, and at no point during the story of this is he told by those children directly that that's something that's going to happen, and they never give him the information that that's going to be a possibility. Yeah. And so it's like one of those things where I'm like, well, obviously he is aware of that situation. He has some prior knowledge to what's happening. And then he's revealed to be an alien, and I was like, well, sorry, spoilers. He's an alien. You kind of get hints of that anyway. But you said you weren't going to spoil stuff. I didn't mean to. But the whole thing is it reeks of that that same that same George R. R. Martin style story, which is from the eighties, but having less bite. 
For yeah, instance, all the comic books now are just doing the eighties hits over and over again. Yeah, everyone wants to do Watchmen. Well, one of the things that irritates me is that all the powers that they have, they're kind of like they're good powers. Mm. Like they're all positives. No one has a in negative. Umbrella Academy or in Umbrella Academy, right. we're back on that now. Yeah, but okay. in but in the Joker story by George R. 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 Martin, because he had that idea that you can get positive and negative powers. One of the most interesting aspects is there's a 14 year old boy who's affected by it. And he wakes up, every time he goes to sleep, he wakes up as a completely different being. Mm. So like one day he'll, he'll go to sleep and he'll wake up and he'll be an 18 year old and he'll be someone who is really fat and they, they, their legs are missing. And then another, he'll go to sleep as that person and wake up as a completely different person next. And he'll be like, at one point he wakes up as a bat monster. Ooh. And then another one, he wakes up as a normal human being and he decides that he's going to just keep taking drugs to avoid going to sleep again so that he can stay relatively normal because he doesn't want to, because he thinks that one day he's going to go to sleep and wake up and his power as the person he wakes up as will be they never need to sleep. And they've got some horrendous like disability or some something that he doesn't want to live with. So instead of keep rolling the dice, every time he finds one that he likes, he just starts doing PCP and crack and stuff. This 14-year-old kid who's obviously going through something that his parents can't control, he can't control. And so he's doing everything he can to try and gain some semblance of control. And he grows up very quickly. And there's this weird duality to the 14-year-old slash the person that... And he'll for it. He'll commit a bunch of crimes and no one will ever catch him. <laughs> well, that's one of the things that he does first. But yeah, then he wakes up as the bat. Yeah. Uh, oh no! Sorry. Initially, he wakes up as like this horrible, like blob monster thing. And his parents reject him, and like. But anyway, th- that's not the Umbrella Academy. That's though. kind of the point. Umbrella Academy is the idea of that, but it's done in a very watered down, very positive way. And I feel like having no negatives is kind of boring. And also, the whole thing's about time travel. Well, they don't have character flaws. No, like the character flaws are like one of them likes to drink, and one of them likes to. One of them doesn't want to use her powers. One or- of them's a monkey. No, he's not a monkey. So, uh, so Luther, who is, one of them's really big. Yeah, Luther is. Small head. So Luther so is got a normal size head, just a big body. In the comics, Luther is the kid with super strength, um, and he is the most dedicated to his father's plans. So Hargreaves' plan is that he wants to do research on all these different things, and one day Luther gets injured in a way that means that he's going to die. But instead of Hargreaves letting him die, he cuts his head off and puts it onto the body of a Martian ape that he fought in a previous adventure. Nice. And that means that Luther's now got this horrendous giant body and can never live a normal life. So Hargreaves, in an effort to offer Luther some some semblance of normality and help him, you know, gain confidence and feel like he is still helping the cause of Hargreaves' research, sends him to the moon and has him be the moon boy. And that's where his nickname Moon Boy comes from. I think his name, he's also number one. Can he put his head on like another person's body? He could have, but he didn't. Could he just like he could have, but he didn't pick up a dead body at some he point. He could have, but he didn't. Like I don't know. He could have, but he didn't. Just do it again. Could have, but he didn't. Yeah, kind of a dick move. Yeah, kind of a dick move. Yeah, um, they all have numerical de- designations instead of having actual names. They yeah. do have names, but they're like they're used supplementary as like. No, it's good to not use their names. Like you give them a number, then it's easier to brainwash them. Disposable. Yeah. Um, you don't. You don't. So you know. You don't connect with them as much. Yeah. Yeah. One of the most interesting characters is someone who's already dead when we meet them in the story, mm-hmm. and they're only real ten. Like they, they have a very, um, a very tenuous grasp to the world, and their grasp is through Klaus. And Klaus's power is that he can see the dead and commune with the dead, but also that he can will them to come to the physical realm, and so they could like some of them, like he can get say soldiers to help him. In one really good scene, he is falling from a massive height, 
and they're on a farm and he goes please someone help please someone help please someone help and he accidentally wills in some cowboys who sort of catch him as he's just about to hit the ground um, and that's that's quite funny uh, but yeah no like they're just that would break their arms they're ghosts they don't have arms they'd fall through them no they couldn't they, no no uh, but Ben Ben's power when he was alive he wills some ghosts back and all they want to do is pottery yeah uh-huh. they're trying to hold him <laughs> gently um, ben, who is the character who's dead, he has a really interesting power in the first series. He basically he can turn his body into like a it's portal. Being dead, not a power. Well, he could be brought forward by. He can still use his power if he's brought forward from the ghostly plane by Klaus. Wow. Uh, but his power when he was alive is that he basically turns his body into a portal to a Cthulhu-like dimension of dark tendril beings. Nice. So during fights, like everybody else would be like punching people and jumping around, and Klaus would bring ghosts forwards, and like Five is the one who could teleport, travel between spaces. He'd be like jumping between people, and and Ben would just open his top up, and then all these tendrils would come out and suck people in and consume people and take them to this dimension. Yes. And I think that that's oh. like it's like um oh god, cloak and dagger. It's like cloak's uh, power. Yeah. Did anyone ever watch that show? Yeah, I did. Yeah, didn't watch the third happened. season. Didn't there's a watch... f- what? Third season? There's three seasons. I thought it got cancelled. No, it's After three one. seasons. And the Runaways. I watched all three seasons of the Runaways. Is that carried on? Uh, I think they've got one more season coming oh, up. God. I still haven't watched the third season of Legion yet. I need to sit and do that. I haven't watched that either. Uh, I haven't watched that either. I watched the second season and I felt like the second season is very emotionally taxing. The last episode was amazing. The last episode's amazing, but everything leading up to And I was happy that. leaving it with him there with his spiky hair. I'm like, that's Legion. Yeah. The only problem I had, uh, that second season... He's got season, his static X hair. Yeah. Friggin'. That second season was emotionally fucking draining. Yeah. Because it was like, that got to the point where you were asking questions about whether or not David was changing people into yeah. other people that's and shit like that. about it. I need to watch the third season. And then potentially his sister was turned into Benny. Yeah. But... It's messed up. You don't know for sure. And then also, they're not projections of those people. They might be the actual spirits, which is a different power from what he had in the comics. He has all sorts of powers. He's got all sorts of powers. Because in the comics, he killed people and then made a copy of their mind as he thought they were. Mm-hmm. That's why Legion... That's why like most of the voices just follow his lead, basically. He can do whatever he likes. Anyway, Umbrella Academy. It's fun. It's simple. It's, you know, do it's, they have any umbrellas? Yeah. It's nice. every single episode starts with an umbrella being made from something that's happening in the world. So sometimes a window will crack and there'll be uh, like a, yeah. And it's nice little things like that. Um, all in all, it's really good. I, I could do with a season that's not about JFK being shot because every single time travel thing has JFK being shot and people well, trying to. Do you know, remember the Red Dwarf episode where they travel back in time and they have to make sure JFK gets assassinated? That's basically what they have and to do. And there's the Quantum Leap episode yeah. as well. Um, the whole the Red Dwarf episode was, came about because there was originally an episode of Star Trek that was going to do that, and they changed their mind and instead they went to like a different story. Um, I think the one with was it Elizabeth Taylor in it, where Kirk had to let her run into the street and get hit by a car because he can't change history. Yeah. Um, the original plot was that like Kirk was going to have to assassinate <laughs> JFK, and so Red Dwarf did it as a joke. But yeah. everyone seems to have done a JFK episode now. Yeah. I'm. Uh, my problem is that they romanticise something happening to someone that's incredibly daunting, obviously, mm. for those that are involved. Um, and they romanticise it and then they play funny games with it. And it's just like, I get it. Like, America, America, you love guns, you love your president, you love your country. When you combine all those things and chaos happens... There's a whole bunch of other presidents you could assassinate. There's literally... Like, the problem is there's literally no history to America. So when they say we're going back in time, what else are they going to do? Do you think it was coincidence that um, 
the guy who assassinated Lincoln was called John Wilkes Booth, right? And he assassinated Lincoln in a booth. He was in one of those booths for the theatre. Yeah. That was... That's coinkydink, that one. Yeah. Conspiracy. Or just good planning. Mm. Yeah. Um, Hilarious case where John Wilkes Wilkes Booth has to make it up to the... (laughs) But yeah, it's just... It it really is one of those things that I feel like I'm watching the same thing over and over again because I keep Mm. seeing these series where, like, they keep pointing to it, nodding to it. It was really good when Watchmen did it. Like, not the film, the book. And then when they did it in the film, I was like, you don't really need this in this film. Because it didn't add any context to the film. In the book, it adds context. Because the book set slightly before the movie, and those events, and the fact that the comedian's doing well, that. In the comic, it the was com- in the same context in both the comic and the film. No, it wasn't. Yeah, there's, well, this. It was just the opening montage. In the comic, it says, like, it's his diary. It's like J- Punisher's War Journals. Yeah, in the Whereas comic, in- it's like part of the. It's, it's yeah. one of the many flashbacks, but the comic hasn't got a. There's no before or after. The film's not linear, neither's the comic. The film is linear because it's in the beginning. They're showing it during that highlight reel of what the what the heroes are doing. Yeah, but the thing still goes back in time and shows you the past events. When do they go back to him shooting JFK? No, they show you the Minutemen and stuff like that. That's oh yeah, yeah, yeah. During when he's oh part yeah, of no, the yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. In the comics, there's him narration. Shooting, him shooting JFK is between when the Minutemen disbanded and when the Watchmen, when the when the Watchmen started, because the Minutemen were disbanded and. Um, superheroes were banned vigilantes were banned yeah. and that's when he started taking on government contracts and him and Dr. Manhattan fought in Vietnam and stuff and he did all these black ops stuff and that's when he killed JFK but that's part of the whole the montage is there to show a quick way of highlighting a whole bunch of yeah. things that happened between them because the film basically cuts out like the middle section yeah well it cuts out all the narration because what's that. important is the forming of the original group yeah. that it ended and what's going on now yeah because to yeah. be honest, adapting Watchmen is like the dumbest thing and no one should ever try it. But I mean, the film did its best. <laughs> it did okay. It just, I don't think, I, the problem is the context of having it in the comic is that, as I said, he narrates it. And then in the film, if you're showing it in a flashback and you're saying that's part of him showing that he was doing government contracts and stuff like that. Hmm. But there's no way to tie that to the government because you're taking out a key politician. So surely you wouldn't assume that was something to do with the government. You would assume that was someone else paying him to do that. Maybe. And then that doesn't really tie into the narrative of he started doing that black ops shit on the side for the government. Let me get it as the film goes on. Uh, you don't really, though. Not a ton. Like, that's the problem. What happened think... to the American dream? You're living it. <laughs> that's, that's, that's kind of the problem, isn't it? It's just that I think that Zack Snyder probably didn't think about it. I think most people probably didn't think about it when they were seeing it. But it's just, it's this romanticism of that thing. And well, it wasn't old in the 80s. Uh... It wasn't old in the 80s to do that. But it's old now. I've seen it too many times. I mean, we get it. Like... Mm. It's a Pruder film. <laughs> you know, like, we get it. It's back into the left. Back into the left. It's just, it's, it's just weird that it keeps getting around. And especially in a series where it's a comedy series. And like, you well, know, there Umbrella are. Academy, yeah. It's comedy. It's comedy. Like, there's a lot of really funny shit in this. It's a really, like. Ellen Page being funny. Yeah, she's, she's a serious She's actor. good in it. Um, like, everyone. She's been in, in Beyond Two Souls. <laughs> I played an hour of that and got fed up with it. <laughs> I can't. I can't even imagine. Like, I gave up on those games at Fahrenheit. It's fucking terrible, though. <laughs> David Cage is not a genius. No. I'm not going to I'm not gonna go back and... Indigo Prophecy is what they call it in other countries. Yeah. Fahrenheit, I played through. I played through And Fahrenheit. there's a point where I got towards the end where I was just like, this has gone off the deep end. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, one of Matrix it. fights against the man on the roof. It's when um, the cop who's chasing him down for murder shags, shags him, him, like, yeah. straight away. 
and then the old lady is the internet. Yeah. And there's in- internet monsters. And I was assured this was just because of the paths I took. But no, they, they come up no matter what path you take. Oh, well, yeah. Um, but yeah, the Umbrella Academy, it's it's good. I really enjoyed it. Like I said, it's really light entertainment. It's not too deep and heady. There are some subject subject matters in there that people might find difficult. There's like a Klaus um, who probably has the like... Fish. Pardon? The fish. No. Uh, and not me either. Uh, Klaus, who has probably the biggest story arc, he travels back to the 60s and ends up meeting the person that he would eventually fall for in the 70s when he accidentally travelled back in time using a briefcase by the Bureau, who are people that basically travel through time and space to prevent people doing things that are going to change the linear path of time to any sort of random occurrences. So they sort of tighten up the timeline. They sound a hell of a lot like the... uh, Men in Black. No, the time guys from Star Trek Enterprise. Yeah, sound like... Basically, they were fighting the temporal cold war. Do they call it a temporal cold no, war? No, they're called the temps. The temps. Yeah, yeah. But do they call the whole thing I that they're trying know. to prevent? I don't fucking no. <laughs> um, basically, it is. It is like Jared Way watched a lot of sci-fi and read a lot of comics. That's kind of what it is. It's I, like Jack, they, Zack Snyder, who's read Watchmen and yeah. The Dark Knight Returns, three hundred, and every single comic since then he's done. Every film he's done has been those two. Yeah, three hundred. Yeah, I mean, he only read 300 because, like, you know, he heard there was dicks he in it. He read 300. He looked at the pictures. He looked at the pictures. Yeah, I'm pretty There's not much to read in it. Uh, no. <laughs> to be fair. There isn't. And then my dick was cold. Um, There's lots of shots of guys doing kicks. Yeah. Umbrella Academy is good. It is really good. And I think that it's 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 going to be popular. One of the one of the best things about it is that the... Um, like he's got a dick. Okay. One of the best things about it is it doesn't really... Um, like when it comes to everyone's relationships and everybody treats each other and, and there are some LGBTQ people in it, it doesn't really like it doesn't focus on that shit so much as it just treats it like normal, which is nice. Yeah. I like that. I don't like I don't like it where people are like, Ugh two people kissing. It's like I still want to do my Indiana Jones type film where the love interest girl at the end goes for a kiss and he's like tongue in the dude comic oh, yeah. relief. I just want to end a film like that. Do you remember they did a reverse one of those in Snakes on a Plane? Did they? Yeah, they had their flight attendant that they kept saying was gay, and then he turns up and there's like this banging hot blonde chick that he's like making out with. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but yeah, Umbrella Academy, it's it's great. She hadn't had enough of that snake on that plane. No, no, she hadn't. <laughs> one of the best things about it is is the use of the budget. Like, they clearly have a budget, but like, they do use it. Like, everything looks really good. Mm. In that first series, they had that fantastic um, CGI ape. Yeah, chip the guy. chip that they had. Isn't he in the second series then? No. He's on all the thumbnails. I won't spoil it for you. Um, um, but in this one, they've got the um, the head of the temps is a fish in a goldfish bowl. Klaus. No. Oh. Um, but he's he's just a, a fish in like a goldfish bowl. With an, an so you're telling me there's aliens, secret agents, a yep. guy called Klaus, yep. a fish. Yeah. And I'm saying that this is an original property, it's apparently. Not American Dad. This is an original property, apparently. Yeah. It's not American Dad, no, it's much better than is that. Is Ellen Page's character slightly rebellious, maybe a hippie? No. <laughs> she she is Because I can imagine she smells like a hippie. No, in this she's lost her memory. No. In the last series she she turned evil because it turns out she'd been drugged Bloody the hippies. whole time. She's been drugged by Hargreave all the whole time mm. because her power is that she can turn any sound wave. So anything that's uh, that's like a vibrating sound wave, she can. So anything that's like a repeating sound, oh. she can turn that into a into energy, pure energy, mm. and that could be used to destroy. Got to be careful with that because everything vibrates. Exactly, at its own frequency. 
Uh, but no, it's mostly used with instruments. So imagine like an instrument, if you've got like a, a vibrato note and you're playing like a violin or something like that, you could turn those waves into an outward energy. That's like, Gerard, just Gerard Way trying to... It's him going like, aren't oh, musicians cool? Aren't they the coolest? And she puts on Welcome to the Black Parade and uses she a says, Gatling gun. She goes, teenagers scare the living shit out of me. It'd be um, it's just cool. She just brings a triangle. That's what she brings. Boo. Like she was the the kid in the band who yeah. always had to play the triangle, and she comes and goes, ting, and forms a sword. One of the things that I do have to I do have to question is <laughs> that this is something that's getting a third season. They've already confirmed a third yeah, season. Netflix, and the same, seasons the and same as the boys on on Amazon, which is coming back in a couple of months. Mm. They've both been confirmed for a third season, but Deadly Class, which I would argue, but the tick, no, but. That got two seasons. Yeah, where's its third season? But Deadly Class, which was a sci-fi original film with Benedict Wong in it. Oh, I like him. Yeah. And it's a he really... He played a character called Wong in... Yeah, did you? In, Basic... in Doctor Strange. When, yeah. But, like, he was with Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah. And they're both British as well, which is hilarious. Um, so one of them get to be called Benedict. Den- Deadly Class was a really interesting series because it was, imagine Harry Potter, but instead of it being wizards, it's, like, all the really shitty kids of, like, fucking generals and, and fascist leaders and things like that. And they were in a school where basically the idea is that every class wants to get... It sounds like an anime I saw. Yeah, it is kind of like an anime. Like um, assassination classroom? No, I'm thinking that one that's like World War Two, but like all the kids in the class are representing different nations. No, 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 it's nothing like that. No, 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 get out of your mind. But there's like, like the Hitler one. No, these are all... These are all <laughs> so basically they're all... Um, it's again in the 80s. It's again in the 80s. Uh. And it's basically all these kids are just, like I said, shitty kids. Like one of them's like a cartel boss's daughter and like another one, so on and so forth. And there's hundreds of them all in the school and each class is basically going to, gonna when they get to the end of their year, they're all just going to fucking eviscerate each other. And a few that survive are going to be, you know, they're going to like be like the best assassins in the world, essentially. Like it works like both a school and a contracting office. Mm. So they'll be like registered and they'll go and do jobs. And the kid that gets, the kid that, Basically, our, our transplanted, transplanted individual, our, our eyes and ears through this place is a kid who, um, who is rumored to have burnt down an orphanage full of nuns that were selling kids to sex, for sex slavery. And he burnt down the orphanage, killed but all the kids there. didn't realize that they could earn more money themselves. Look, shush. He burns down the orphanage, kills everyone there, or at least he thinks he does. Um, but it turns out, turns out that, um, that he may or may not have been responsible. It doesn't matter this like secret group have found out and they say like and he's living on the streets at this point and doing hard drugs and prostituting himself it's like quite dark but they basically say like you're coming to the school because you've got this massive kill count and we want to take advantage of that and train you to be the kind of person that uses that complete flippant disregard for human life for us and so he's our introduction into that world and quite interestingly he wasn't the person who started the fire it's this other kid and the whole series is violent as fuck like it's genuinely violent like one of their first tasks are they have to go out and they just basically have to cause mayhem they have to just like take someone out but basically you didn't get another series no it didn't get another series it was like it was 12 really solid episodes I know it was 12 really solid episodes had a really good villain and then the comics continue on longer than no we never got a second series of flash forward either you know and we're all upset about that especially when it ended with a like cliffhanger but it's just one of those things that I don't understand because that should have ended with Nazis. It's stronger like than Star Trek. It's stronger than the Umbrella Academy, but somehow it didn't get another series, and that really confuses me. Yeah, well, it's not on Netflix, is it? It was on Sci-Fi, yeah, which I think money. is probably the problem. Yeah, 
But what a cast, though. Benedict Wong's amazing in it because he's like an ex, an ex student who is like one of the <laughs> Dick Wong. <laughs> he's the ex Dick Wong. <laughs> he's an ex student who's like proper like fucks everything up when he wants to. Like mm. the whole school is basically outfitted to kill all the kids if they want to just. So the kids are used as a defense. So if someone breaks in to try and try and like kill someone's son or daughter, the kids are like basically housed so they're a defensive force. So if someone gets in, like, the more precious assets are further down. But then at the same time, if, like, Benedict Wong wants to just escape, like, basically the whole place can just explode and mm. he can escape out of his office. Or if it's, like, him and he wants to defend the kids or if there's a particular student that, like, if he lets die, he'll die anyway, so there's no point in leaving. Like, he'll fight with them and stuff like that and he's got a sword. Just all really interesting ideas that just were never fleshed out. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It doesn't fucking matter. I'm lamenting TV shows that Maybe didn't get people just don't want to watch kids getting killed. Why not? Equal opportunities kind of guy. <laughs> kids should be killed as well. Yeah, um, in a basement where you're meant to do it. <laughs> not some, on TV. Had some really shit punk characters though, which like really annoyed Mr. me. Mr. West did. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so yeah. So, um, so I, you're dragging this out to two hours again. Oh god, I am sorry. I finished my review a week ago. I'm really ago. sorry. I'm really sorry. So the Umbrella Academy, it's really good. I recommend people watch it. If you if you are looking for something superhero-y and you're missing like the Marvel and shit like that, then it's good. Also for the DC people, it's darker than than the normal Marvel series. So enjoy. Oh, I give it. It's also going to get a Meryl Streep. That's not a sentence. It's also going to get a Meryl Streep. It's go. not. It's not perfect. Again, there are. The, everybody has little blips in their career. Not Tom Atkins though. Why so, can't it be a Wilford Brimley? Because he doesn't have diabetes. He's dead. Doesn't have diabetes. One nil to Z now, he's dead. Um, Rest in peace, Wilfred Brimley. Yeah, R.I.P. Wilfred You were great in Ewok's Caravan of Courage. Was it Caravan of Courage he was in? I was going to say you're in Cocoon. He was in one of the Ewoks films. He was in Cocoon. Shirtless. And hard Target. Shirtless. And Hard Target. Yeah. Great and Hard Target. Thing. But what the matters thing, is yeah. he's in one of the Ewoks films. Never watched it. Never will. What? R.I.P. Wilfred Brimley. Okay, so you can find Ant and Europe Mellow Gaming on YouTube. Still the most popular Mellow Gaming channel ever. Yeah. You're also a Power Ranger. Yeah. How's that going? Yeah. You're on Twitter as LV54SpaceMonkey. You can find Power Ranger. You, you can find me at Critapocalypse on uncultured YouTube. Uncultured swine. And, and Twitter. <laughs> why don't I have the 2017 Power why, Rangers movie? Why are you so embarrassed about your Power Rangers? Um, uh, I've got over 100 subscribers now. you got over 100 subscribers? Yeah. I'm reacting Sentai Senpai. Yeah, reacting Sentai Opera Ranger. Reacting. And the only video that has under 100 views on the channel is the one where I'm like, hey, we've got 100 subscribers, cheers. Can we review one of the Power Rangers movies or something? No, but I want to know why I don't have a 4K copy of Power Rangers 2017. I do. Do you want to borrow it? I've got it on Blu-ray. Do you want to borrow my 4K copy? Nah. You sure? Yeah, I'm good. Because it's got, uh-oh, we're in trouble. Something's come along and it's burst our bubble. How did um how did Robert Englund not play Ivanus? No, they got friggin' friggin' what's his face from Raiders of the Lost Ark, didn't they? Ben Kingsley. No, Ben Kingsley's in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, is he not? He's in King of Crystal Skull. No, the guy who plays um you know the bad guy, the guy who like, at the start of Raiders of the Lost Ark he takes that treasure from Alfred Indy. Molina. No, Alfred Molina's the one who is later. No, he's not. Alfred Molina's the one who gets the spear, gets track killed. The guy, the guy at the start, I can't remember his name, begins with B. Ben Kingsley? No. Ben Kingsley was a crazy person. Benedict Wong? No. He was a child when that came out. I mean, maybe. <gasps> Are you saying he was short round? <laughs> yeah, he was short round, yeah. Sure. <laughs> 
I don't know. I have no idea. Anyway, as always, goodbye, everyone. He's a British guy. Yeah. Sure. Oh, I don't know. Benedict Cumberbatch? Janet Street Porter? Who else? Janet Street Porter's not in the Indiana Jones films. Are you sure about that? That sounds like a Pretty lie. Are you sure? That I'm was sure. a dog you saw. <gasps> what? Anyway, say bye. Bye, everyone. Bye. I love you. I really do, guys. I hope you have a good week. If you don't, I don't know, tweet at me. I'll have a chat with you. Um, I don't suggest it. No, nor do I. I'm quite abusive. Mm. I'm not really abusive. I'm just lonely, mostly. <laughs> Sad. <laughs>